Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.4. I have a Tucker NFT that I want to sell for anybody who's interested in purchasing such an... Oh, it's gone. Michigan has now played uh, an opponent, I think. Better than we thought. Well, just an opponent, any sort of opponent. <laughs> and so The you, other ones are scrimmages? I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you do have that kind of first opponent game where things are clunky and, and they don't work real well and everybody's very upset about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then you go look at the book box score and you're like, oh, it was mostly fine. What a weird thing. We outgained them two yards per play. We had a lot of open shots missed downfield, and you know I, they had turnovers. They had a ball clang off their face to begin the <laughs> begin the game. I'm surprised you didn't start with that. Like, that's, like, has there ever well, been a quicker touchdown in Michigan history? Probably not. But for whatever reason, people who I think were watching on TV thought it took three seconds. It took eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, two plays, the kickoff, and then... Right, but yeah. the, the clock showed eight seconds gone. And people yeah, I, t- I actually took a picture of the scoreboard after Schoonmaker caught the touchdown. I was just like, I just wonder if this is you know a moment of history right here. It has to be, because like a kickoff return for a touchdown usually is going to take about 10 seconds. At least. I mean, if you have Usain Bolt taking it back, it's going to take 10 <laughs> seconds. I mean, the, the only way to do it faster would probably be like recover the fumble in the end zone. Yeah, or like a, or like a, a, you take a knee and a pick six or something. But uh, if six would take time, (laughs) if the ball, if it would have to come off the player and then get knocked into the end zone, because if you touch the ball, yeah, yeah, but then its momentum carries it into the end zone, it's still a touchback. So he volleyball sets it over his own head back into well, the end zone. No, because that's still... What if he muffs it in the end zone? It would, it would have to go off the guy's helmet, and then, like, Hibner would have to, like, try to get it, knock it into the end zone, and then a Michigan player would have to recover. Yeah, okay. Right. And even that... That's going to take time. Might take more time. Yeah. So... <laughs> so this is it. I think yeah. so. Your, your, your picture is... It can be one of those NFT things or something now. <laughs> you think it's worth I, more than talk? I don't know. Did I use that right? I don't even know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Continue on with this podcast. <laughs> the, the NFT All right. podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> Michigan 34, Maryland 27. Michigan's 4-0. I'm Brian Cook. I'm Seth Fisher. Still Polish Dave. <laughs> Still Polish Dave? You called me Brazilian Dave. Yeah. But why are you Polish now? I've always been Polish, Brian. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're you're not making some sort of strange reference. You're just being a literal yeah, human being. Yeah, okay. trying to embrace my heritage. Well, good luck with that. Uh, I wish you well on your journey of self-discovery. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you, you look at the box score for this, mm-hmm. and what the box score says is talk about the sponsors. <laughs> 
We'd like to thank Underground Printing for making all of this possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three-store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshire Landing, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M's venue where we recorded this, The Nosebleed, which is the Sklar Brothers' new show on UFC Fight Pass and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners ticket iq and that's what the box score says <laughs> it also says that jj mccarthy went 18 to 26 for 220 yards and everybody is like i think slightly panicking about mccarthy's performance and there's a lot of things that don't show up in that box score that we will talk about yeah mm-hmm. that are sort of a reality check for everybody's expectations that he was immediately going to win the heisman which i Barely did not share. We also said that about Tate Forcier in 2009, so. Oh, no. No. But, so, eight incompletions, four of them on deep balls Mm -hmm. that are just off. So there's two to Walker. There's two to Wilson. Walker. Not Walker. Not Walker. Wilson. Wilson. Wilson Anthony. Yeah, I meant Anthony and not Walker. Uh There's two to Anthony. There's two to Wilson, and none of them give their receiver an opportunity to make a play. Yeah. Especially grading, given what we saw from Maryland last week when Rashi Rice just back-shouldered them into oblivion. Yeah. And especially with a guy like Andrew Anthony, like, you can't overthrow Andrew Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) He underthrew him one time, too. Like, I guess he adjusted and maybe, like... The last miss that he had was sort of short and to the right, I think. It was a play right before he actually hit Ronnie Bell in stride. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's the... uh, There's those. And after the game, you know, McCarthy said, oh, my arm was 110%. So once we're back down, like... (laughs) He's just like, ah, that was too good. Ah, I gotta fix that. And so that's that's one thing. And, like, ah, you're going to miss some deep shots. That's not that much of a long-term concern, I don't think. Um, more concerning were multiple incidents where he's sitting in the pocket. He's breaking the pocket. He's running around. He's running around some more. He's running around some more. He keeps running around. And then either a good thing or a bad thing happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a couple of those. Well, there, was- he, there were there were a number. There were a couple of like Devin Gardner esque sojourns, and then there were a, a number of other issues where he couldn't really find a receiver. And sometimes that was just because the the route patterns were, I don't know, a little weird. So there were a lot of just like four verts. Yeah. So a lot of the deep shots, it was like he didn't have anyone else that was an option. Well, if you're gonna throw, if you're gonna do four verts, either you have to like wait for that to develop over a long time, or throw it immediately as soon as you've got you know like it's the seam window yeah because like you're gonna get one of those guys with leverage even if he has somebody on him that guy has to get around your player in order to make the play and so it's still a, a throw that you can make and like the one where he sits there and takes a sack like the play was there in the first second to scoot maker and and everything and after that the players are just running downfield and it i don't know it's got like kind of a pep hamilton feel where like they, there's not and that's what doer said yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, one, he needs to get out of the pocket after his timer goes off mm-hmm. and run. Yeah. And, like, maybe he's not going to get it, but there's one linebacker in a lot of space. When you run four verts, 
everybody's going with the verts, right? right. So, yeah, on that play, you are right about that. I, I think that that makes sense. I was third and something, right? Eight. Long. Yeah. And that's and he had plenty of room in front of him. But there are another um, another number of times where what you're talking about, he's looking downfield and he's not finding anyone, but he's not pressured either. And eventually he does find a check down. I mean, he did that to Schoonmaker a couple yeah. of times and he hit a late crosser a couple of times. And it's probably not the A1 option, but he did eventually find a receiver. Well, I mean, we talked about this on, on Friday, is that Maryland was dropping eight forty percent of the time right. against SMU. And that does mess with you a little bit as a quarterback. I mean, no one does that. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you it's hard to find someone downfield. You can't play defense. Everybody's bracketed, and then you have forever to sit in the pocket. Yeah. And then when they don't drop three, you're like your, whole, your timing is just messed up. Yeah. So I, there is sort of a strangeness to what Maryland was doing that I think contributed to the lack of decisiveness from McCarthy. And I think some of it is just like his first real opponent. And like, this isn't a good secondary, but it's miles better than any he's seen this year. Yeah. And while well, keep in mind, they're a bad secondary in part because they will be in coverage and just miss on their guy. Right. And so like SMU who will throw into cover to covered guys because like, okay, if I put this on the guy's shoulder, he's going to go and get it. Yeah, it was just back shoulder, back shoulder, back shoulder. We didn't right. see that once in this game. We start. Right, so we saw it one time and he threw the front shoulder and, uh, or no, he threw to the back shoulder and Roman Wilson, for some reason, turns inside. Yeah. And almost because no, that was, nope, nope, no, oh. no. Cause Roman Wilson broke to the inside of his defensive back. Mm-hmm. So but the safety's on the inside. He was also bracketed on that one. Yeah, he's bracketed. So that throw should not have been made. Right. That's yeah. like, but <laughs> if you're going to make it, you can't throw it back outside. No. Because that's where the defensive back has leverage. You can't throw it anywhere. That's well, why it shouldn't have been made. I mean, right, maybe so McCarthy can fire it in there. He puts it up, he I mean, puts he it needs, up early. He I'm, needs to get it there before the safety gets over the top. Like, he needs to throw it on a rope. But that's right away. And, yeah. And that was not happening. That, that's, really, but that's game. the throw that needed to be made. And that safety wasn't there in time if that ball is three yards further in field. So there is, mm-hmm. there is a window there. It's an NFL window. Yeah. It's something he can hit, but you can't throw that outside because once the receiver breaks inside of the defensive so back. I thought he threw it before Roman Wilson broke. No, because he, he, he breaks that inside right off the snap. Okay. So, well, no, he, he gets his release inside. Yeah, he has an inside release, and then that yeah. guy's on his back. Yeah. So when he throws it outside there, that's interception or nothing because Roman Wilson is yeah. playing defense. And it yeah. probably should have been an interception. <laughs> yeah, well, the guy that's turns around the last goes. second, and, like, the ball's already gone through his hands yeah. and he turned around. So Yeah. So, I mean, that to me is, like, a throw he can make, and it's just another inaccurate pass. So okay. is that an inaccurate or is that a bad read? Uh, I mean, since... I feel like if that ball is three yards further in field, it's it's a completion. Hmm. I don't think that safety gets there, so I'm gonna it's gonna be an IN. Okay. When I when I when I chart it. Okay. But, so yeah, there there was decision making issues, not just when they dropped eight, but Clad actually caught this live, which I was pretty impressed with. There was that quads formation where mm-hmm. they where they ran it and the the defensive end just crashed on on Quorum the whole yeah. way. Yeah, a clear pull read yeah. that, that yeah. he missed. And, yeah, um, it's just I don't know exactly what happened, but the guy who we saw basically be impeccable with his decisions through two and a half games, he got jittery or rattled or something, and that decision making was no longer. I. At, point. at what point, as far as the poll is concerned, as far as like keeping the ball, because he, he did keep the ball on a couple polls in this game. 
Just one. Just all right. So just one. I, yeah. That, there was a there, QB draw that. Yeah, was, yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, is that that he also fumbled on? <laughs> is the program resetting the slider for its starter again? Is that a thing? I mean, I don't know. I kind of felt like what they were doing made sense in one regard, in that they put out a bunch of tight ends. They went from under center, and they were absolutely gashing them with Blake Corum. Yeah, and. We talked about this on Friday. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the personnel to match up with big sets. Yeah. And so you, I, mean, I think Honigford is going to come in for a huge score this week. Oh, there was at least one point where I think I yelled, I see you, Honigford. I see you, 84. Like, I was like, yeah. amped by watching him and block a couple times. He, Finally, sleeper of the year, paying off. <laughs> Bredesen also had a really nice game, I thought, too. Yeah, and as a fullback, a too. And, and, yeah. and, and, and Scootmaker. Yeah, like, all yeah. three of those guys were getting matched up against guys who were either freshmen or 190 pounds, mm-hmm. or they're folding in defensive, defensive ends who are, who are slanting. And that's why almost all of Blake Corum's big runs went right off tackle, mm-hmm. because that's where the tight ends had the advantage. <clears throat> so, on one level, that makes sense. On another level... We really didn't see a whole lot of QB run game. We, I mean, there was yeah. one zone read that he kept. There was another one he could have kept. There was the draw. We didn't see any design reads except for the draw, which uh, wasn't uh, run well. No, he's got to learn to – you have to, like, show that you're going to pass before you take right. off. And, and not drop the ball. We didn't really get a whole <laughs> lot of look-at-this-arm strength throws well like there weren't those 15 yard outs to the field or anything like yeah the kind of things that teams like maryland pretty much have to give up because their corners aren't good enough to cover everything and they're gonna let you have that i actually thought their corners are pretty good well i didn't i did not think that there were guys screamingly wide open that he missed there there, 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 were, were, there were there, there were, were guys open by a step or two yeah that's what i mean but again Maryland's corners are guys who are like there. They have the talent. They, right. they recruit really well. Right. They just they don't have the technique. They're they're the ball gets there and they're like flailing their arms on down. the wrong foot or something like yeah. that. Yeah, right. So Bennett got mossed repeatedly against SMU. Michigan just didn't have that as part of their game plan, mm-hmm. which is I don't know. I mean, that seems like a philosophical choice. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's a Harbaugh thing. He wants you to throw to open guys, right. not guys who are. Well, I mean, Cade had the back shoulder in his arsenal and deployed it fairly well. Have we seen much of a back shoulder game from McCarthy so far? It's possible that's not something I mean, he's actually that good Have we at. seen more than 50, 70 throws by well, him? Yeah, I mean, that's part of... Like, we've seen a lot of different throws from him. That's true. I mean, there's, it's not that much different than putting it downfield on a dime anywhere else. Well, right? I mean, the uh, timing is different. Mm-hmm. Like, arc is different. Like it is, it is something where it's a different kind of throw, and maybe that's a hole in his game that he needs to work on, or maybe it's just that they don't want to try to throw into coverage when you know Corian Bennett explodes <laughs> in every direction as soon as you target him, right. and you have Andrew Anthony, and I mean we saw, we I mean the one time we did see McCarthy throw that was Andrew Anthony against Michigan State last year, mm-hmm. where he saw that the cover guy had hopped outside and he just lofted one up so that we could get a Braylon fest repeat. And I just didn't see many opportunities for it. And maybe that's on the wide receivers. Like it's hard to yeah. tell. We get more downfield replays in this game. Cause Fox has the, they, they, for replays, they usually change the angle to yeah, behind they have, the quarterback. Yeah, view. They yeah. have that like NCAA football cam. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, 
so uh, I'll I'll be able to see downfield a lot more. And I just wonder if maybe well, like losing Josh Gaddis was not a problem for Moyaka. Tactical perspective, maybe he's a pretty good wide receivers coach. I, I I think there's a lot of evidence that he's a good receivers coach and a good like passing game coordinator. Yeah. So the I mean I don't know. I kind of felt like on the one hand, if he hits one more of those deep shots, his his game looks like 19 for 26 right. for. Almost mm-hmm. 300 yards, mm-hmm. and you're like, one of the things I kept thinking was like, this was all like we talked about. There are certain games for Michael Barrett this year that are going to fit into what his skill set is. This is sort of like the Cade game where he's you don't have to make all the big throws, you have to look at what you're reading, know what's there, and put the ball on time. And that's what Cade was really good at in a lot of ways. Yeah, there and, were definitely a couple of times when JJ probably should have climbed the pocket and just checked it down because mm-hmm. who are you checking it down to well, the what? best running back in america <laughs> right so there there's that but then the uh, speaking of the receivers they did do what you asked them to do on, on like the one scramble drill he, he actually threw it short because he was getting hammered at the time but like uh cornelius johnson takes off yeah to the left and like jj tries to put a Dalen Baldwin ball up there for him but he just can't get it up there hard enough because he's getting his legs pulled out from yeah the that's the one that he missed but i thought you know, I was re- I was rewatching it last night, and I and I saw it the first time, and I was like, you know, this is something where you're talking about his arm strength, right? Like, this is the one thing where you're like, oh, I need to go on the opposite side. Okay, I'll just put a little more into it. Like, if, there are some quarterbacks where you'd be like, well, that's a tough throw, but for JJ, it's like these are the throws that you we've seen yeah, him kind just, of make in some ways, and he felt, just underthrew it. He felt a little miscalibrated, and also on that, I mean, he had Johnson on the pivot for the first down. Yeah, he just didn't see it. And then he kind of goes into the scramble mode and all that stuff. So his decision-making was a step back. He did look like a redshirt freshman in this one. But he is a redshirt freshman. No, he's a true, he's a true sophomore. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> he looks like a guy in his second year in yeah, a college program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that correction. But like you said originally, his numbers ended up being pretty good. He did a number of good things, did eventually get through a lot of his progressions. On the rewatch, I actually thought – yeah, there's things you want to clean up and get better, but I mean, like his first start against a real opponent, and this is what you're getting. I mean, you, you think that it's only going to get better. Also, ran a very good two minute drill. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. missed one of his deep shots was right was uh, well, closed, but like other than that throw, everything else he checked down underneath. He saw his guys where they're supposed to be, and that's what they should have been doing all game is the that two minute drill because like that that's exactly how Maryland was playing them all game. Well. I disagree because once you lined up under center with three tight ends, Corum was getting nine yards of carry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's, that that and the other thing. So. Do you want to do that part? Yeah. Cause, let's cause let's like, talk about that part. So we actually have already taped the hot take segment. We'll get more into Blake Corum's uh, being Mike Hart in that segment. But he put up 243 43 mm-hmm. yards. Uh, has the two big touchdowns on short yardage where his awareness is just off the charts. Like the the one right before the half, like it's ticking down to 30 seconds. That's a huge swing play in this game. That's why you go tempo in those situations because Maryland's trying to get everybody lined up. And if you look at it on rewatch, they have like four linebackers or, or four guys behind the line. Maybe they're safeties. But they're all on like the right half of the center from the offensive standpoint. And he just picks the gap on the left. He gets two good blocks from Schoonmaker and Bell, and there's no one there. Honestly, the Bell block was free because 
because that cornerback didn't know what was going on. But yeah, that cornerback is like sitting. The cornerback is like, I got, I get to sit this play out because it's going to be like a, a QB sneak. And how many how many running backs have the awareness and the confidence and the cut. and the knowledge to and the cut. pop out there and, right. and convert that? That was like, I mean, that was a hop to get out there as well. And like Quorum makes it look easy, but you know you can name a lot of backs that can't get there and get set and get their foot in the ground and get forward fast enough for like no linebacker to react or anything. I mean, I was watching the Kansas State game when they beat Oklahoma, and I'm watching Deuce Vaughn, and I'm like, this guy is Blake Corum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same player, except he's even shorter. <laughs> <laughs> like, they should have, like, a quad off just to see. <laughs> but um, do, you, do you like that going tempo? In that Maybe this is more of a game theory thing, but do you like that going tempo in, like, a fourth and one? Were you, were you, were you forcing the defense to basically just line up and go, and they can't We're going to save that. For that segment, okay. Uh, we're, we'll let, but Corum snuck through gaps, right? Yeah. He geared down. He found his gap. He exploded through it. When he got to the safety, more often than not, he left that safety in the dust. He ground out third and one conversions, mm-hmm. short yardage one. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he carried five hundred pounds of dude a yard yeah. and a half, two or three times. And so that was supposed to be the hole in his game, huh. and now there isn't one, and. I mean, he's the best running back in the country. He's the best running back I've ever seen at Michigan. My notes are he's a touchdown waiting to happen. And, like, I think that includes Ty Wheatley. I think that includes Tim Biakabatuka. I think he's the best running back I've ever seen at Michigan. You're going to get a lot of older guys that are going to bring up people and argue. Yeah. But I Fortunately, show... Chris Perry does not listen to MGO blog, according to Chris Perry. Well, Chris Perry, <laughs> Chris Perry was very good, but, I mean... He also was better his last year his first yeah, Chris, Chris, yeah. Chris Perry he took was, a little time yeah, to took, yeah, marinate yeah. but yeah I mean Corum was I mean remember he started that first game against Minnesota in the COVID year and I mean and they had Charbonnet and Haskins and guys on the roster and it's like wait who's number two? Oh wait that's oh that's Corum and he's like whoa what was that eight yards in a, I mean you have to include Hassan Haskins on the list at least of like the best running backs of my, that I've ever seen sure yeah. but I but mean just if, like the whole total if, package. Yeah. I mean, he's just – every time he touches the ball. I mean, there's a reason he was on kick returns last year, right? Mm-hmm. And you can throw the ball to him in a swing game. I mean, what, how, whatever you want to do, however you want to put your game plan together, he's going to probably be good at. And he had bit blitz pickups. I mean, he, he did that earlier this year. He had a couple yesterday too. I mean – <laughs> yeah, and, I, and on the sack, I want to mention that like he held out as long as he could. Like for a running back, you're not supposed to hang much longer than a few seconds. That wasn't the best, but he did push the guy deep into the end zone, he and he the finally guy deep got into the end up zone and, and got under his knees, and then like and then his job is just to get out of there. Yeah. Like you're, there was no running back, even you know, like unless you're a train and you're like the same size as the guy block you know coming at you like you're not supposed to be able to like block that guy like an offensive tackle you're a yeah. running back still yeah like vincent smith would you know well, he'd best, flip him over flip the guy over <laughs> but then the guy still would have time to get up dust himself off read a book and then go get jj yeah so he gets <laughs> 30 carries in this game and is that too many yeah Okay, but you know, once Donovan Edwards comes back, that probably won't happen again. And Stokes fumbled on his first carry. So, are you surprised you didn't see a little more of like AJ Henning as Donovan Edwards? Uh, he can't really pass block, so I think you're tipping a lot. I mean, you were playing a lot of tight ends, so I mean, I, I don't know. I 
this was a tight game the whole way, and Corum's doing what he's doing. Right. So to me, that's a game where you got to ride him. And he's also the boy from Maryland. Like, like this well, is his. This I, is his. This I don't, is, well, I don't sometimes think, there's I don't. a game where you're like, all right, this is my guy today. Well, and that's your, and he's your guy today. I mean, he's, he was he's doing what he's doing, and you don't really have backup options, and you're you're kind of questioning your quarterback's decision making. Like they had to put it on him. Now, when they did get him a breather on that third and four, and they ran gash, I was like, oh, what is going on? <laughs> but then you look at the well, you knew why, right? Well, you look at the tape, and that's a RPO read that mm-hmm. was really open, uh-huh. and that mm-hmm. McCarthy just misses. So, because, I mean, that's a corner blitz. Yeah. And you're dropping A.J. Henning in the flat, and there's a safety sitting at eight yards. I mean, that's a conversion and maybe a touchdown. And he made that same read last week. I know. So, I mean, we're kind of back to questionable decision-making for McCarthy. But I'm much less mad about that whole decision-making matrix (laughs) now that I saw that, like, oh, they, they had it and they just didn't get it. So, disappointing. I still think you go for it, but that's not this segment. That's a different segment. And then pass protection was good yeah. yeah, against a team where I think it pretty much had to be good. Otherwise, you're hitting the panic button. Well, there was the you, you pointed out the one guy in the preview, Dural Nakami or Nachami. Ch- Ch- yeah. like, and they shut him down just fine. Which might not mean anything at all. Right. Because he had three tackles and no sacks going into this game. And I was like stretching. For- <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, we were, but that was the, th- the point where, and Jacory and Bennett came a couple times on their blitzes and like, they yeah, stopped, they were, he's an athletic dude. They like, were pretty well organized in terms of their pickups and all that stuff yeah. and dominated on the ground. So I think this is a, a good, a good uh, milestone for, for the OL who we had some questions about. In pass pro for sure. I mean, the run blocking was fine too. I thought, like, there, yeah. there were a time, like, you know, I brought something last week, and you're like, well, Dave, you have gaffes every week. Someone's going to make a mistake. But other than that, I mean, I thought that Corum, as good as he was, wasn't touched until he was five, eight, ten yards downfield on I think a I number saw, of runs. I think I saw a mistake from El Hadi early, and I was like, in my rewatch, I was like, okay, I bet you I'm going to see a bunch of El Hadi things because he's the new guy. And then I don't think it popped up that, again. We Well, they were so tight end dependent right that a lot of those blocks aren't going to get graded because they're going to be so far away from the play yeah but he's also not giving up some guy flying past him either to blow up the play yeah and then a couple of those incidents where you're live you see a defensive end flash into the backfield and you're like oh what happened that's on mccarthy it's (laughs) not on the ol Mm. yeah so i mean they by going to tighter sets and going under center, it's the same block scheme. It's the same counter stuff that they've been doing all year and last year and whatnot. But it happens a lot faster. And it that that had a kind of an effect on the game in a couple ways where first of all the Maryland linebackers just did not have time to react all the time. Like you see a guy coming across your face, he's actually not even blocking you. You're getting blocked by the next guy coming. They also there was a great block by uh Schoonmaker where he He's losing the block because the guy slanted outside of him. So now the defensive end's outside. And instead of, like, traveling with him or just, like, continuing on a failed block, he lets the guy go. That one, yeah. And, that was... and he gets picked up by Hayes coming around the back. And I'm yeah. like, it's awesome. Well, he he actually changed his decision-making process twice on that play. Because mm-hmm. he was flashing out to the edge and then saw that the defensive end was going to an unexpected place. Redirects to the defensive end. That's one. Mm-hmm. And then he's on the defensive end. He's like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. And then he goes. <laughs> and Hayes picks the defensive end up, and he gets a linebacker, and Corum gets a chunk. And I'm like, well, that's going on the block of the year list. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you go back to when Eric All said like, oh, you know, Schoonmaker is a better run blocker than me, which is still an insane thing to say at the time. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I think at the time I said Schoonmaker sees some things and he made another op- – there was another ch- uh, time when he did that where he probably should have just stayed on his block. But like Schoonmaker is seeing next level things and that ability to do that opens up, you know, levels of running game complexity that you don't see outside of the NFL or like – teams that would run all the time in the 70s. Yeah, and having that sort of set of tight ends, even without Eric All, who you can run out there. Mm-hmm. Like Eric All did not play in this game, and they ran a ton of three tight end sets, and they worked really well. And I think it really plays into Quorum's strengths. Because if you give the defense a bunch of gaps, they're like, okay, now you got an F gap. What do you do with the <laughs> F gap? Blake Quorum is going to find the weak spot in the line. Like yeah. He's not... A guy who just runs headlong into whatever happens to be there. Yeah, he finds the gap, and he can get two gaps over with a cut, a jump cut. So, having that stress that you place by just adding gap after gap after gap, I think is something that Michigan is going to do well with going forward. In fairness to all, it's a little bit different when Joel Honigberg is the guy starting in the slot and then and motioning in. Like the yeah. safety who was who was no... supposed to come in with him, like didn't even bother. He staying has a catch out there. this year. <laughs> yeah, but and the other so two, the career. other moment was like we had one last year. Oh, uh, yeah. he has one this year. Okay. Uh, the other one was like you know Schoonmaker um, did a great job to get a get a first down uh, when you know he puts his foot in the ground, changes direction, and goes downfield instead of, like, continuing outside. Yeah. Uh, but we've also seen all make that play with one or two fewer steps because you just, you know, that level of well, okay, player. But, but, like, you I know, know you're... In terms of if Eric All yeah. is out for a long time, that's an injury Michigan can obviously withstand. Because mm-hmm. we saw Schoonmaker pick up most of... I mean, he was Michigan's lead on receiver in this game. By catches, yeah, by some distance, yeah, yeah, and so that's partially because Maryland doesn't regard him as a threat, but he's enough of a threat where he made you pay for that. So Schoonmaker, well, yeah, yeah but he he also was probably one of the leading checkdown guys too. I mean, he's the guy where yeah. when they needed to give McCarthy a good throw, they had him run a four or five yard hook and he'd catch it and turn and. Bowl yeah. a guy and, and get and seven AJ yards. Henning would just go and take out some guy with no call. <laughs> Yeah, I think he got. I think he got away with it because he like blocked the guy into the umpire. <laughs> and the umpire would normally throw that flag, but he was just too close to it, and it was like, oh no, what's happening to me? I think they just forgot their flags entirely. I mean, that's game. what I was kind of thinking. <laughs> is like the face mask on Harold in the beginning part of the game is pretty obvious, and then there's nothing until the false start. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The one thing I thought was interesting is that they ran a trick play on second and five, and yeah. I didn't really get why, because their offense is sort of moving. They had the fumble on the previous series, I believe, and they've you know had to kick a field goal. But nothing was really stopping your offense, and isn't a lot of the ideas of trick plays unless you're ahead and you're trying to like catch someone off guard, is to like change the direction of how plays are, or how your your offense is going. And I felt like they didn't really need to do that. I mean, the thing is, is that if Anthony gets off that block yeah like he's supposed to sell a block and Mm -hmm. then release downfield like the quarterback does not let him go and so he doesn't do enough of a job of selling that it's a block to to make the cornerback want to get off of him yeah and so but if that happens if the cornerback gets off andrew anthony i mean that's a touchdown because there's nobody in the area and then wilson's running 
30 yards away from that, and he's covered. Mm-hmm. But if they sell the Anthony thing, I think the problem there is they hadn't run that play before. Well, and Klatt says something about they didn't even run the jet sweep yet to set it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing that popped into my head immediately. It's like, okay, when when do we run a jet sweep to Bell in this game or this yeah. year? Yeah. Or really ever. I mean, he's never generally been the no. around guy. So, like, you got to you gotta put the first thing on tape. It's got to work. And then once they're looking out for it, then they're going to jump on it. That's the problem I had with it, not the yeah. sequencing or anything. You know what Just really like, would have worked is uh, turn that into the uh, – what was it, the transcontinental? Because you look back on the other side of the play, and JJ's just standing all alone. And I'm like, oh man, like well, that. Yeah. We should bring that. We Maybe bring that's back what the Lloyd Carr special. Maybe this is what they're setting up. They ran this play too to set up the yeah. transcontinental. But yeah, so they can't. You can't run the trick play based on a play that you don't run. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. 
So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. We've got a slightly different spin on our ticket of the week because... Our ticket IQ. Ticket I- our ticket IQ That's right. ticket of the week. We have some advice from Seth about when to purchase Michigan State tickets. Not. Not. Don't buy them now. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. I, uh, I'm bearish. What, Let's what's, put it that what's way. What's the get-in price right now for Michigan <laughs> right State? Right now, they're, they're like three fifty for two and for two together. But here's the thing. They're showing up. Because like when the when it's high, people are holding on to their tickets, or they uh, they're they're just like snatched up immediately. Right. Like ticket brokers go on these things too and try to like find the cheap ones. Right now, like someone will put two up for sale for three fifty, and they just sit there, and then someone puts a couple more, and so the prices are dropping very slowly because no one wants to like make a move right yeah. now. But. I think the market for Michigan State people wanting to go to Michigan Stadium and see this team is softening. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. So, and hypothetically, if you wanted to buy this ticket right now, that three fifty is your out the door price. There's no hidden fees. There's no hidden fees. Ticket IQ tells you what it is. Great. Hit up Ticket IQ for tickets. Just wait on Michigan State. I don't really. I don't. I, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> Do you know how to feel? Well, I watched it a second time, and, I mean, depending on how we want to break this down, I mean, they didn't get pass rush, which yeah. is sort of mm-hmm. alarming. Sort of a big deal. But they didn't really try other things until the second half. It was just like, let's send these guys out there and go get pass rush, and they didn't, and then they kept doing that. And then I thought in the second half they got a little bit more at times with some blitzing and moving guys around, but... I think the difference in the second half is they started sending the tackles upfield more. That, for whatever reason, they thought that they could find someone who can get pass rush with their defensive ends. Taylor Upshaw cannot rush a passer. I mean, he's just... And, and Jalen Harrell's just too small. He he got a couple wins. I mean, Harrell you know, had, He actually bowled a guy. Yeah, he, yeah, he bowled the, the right tackle the, over... On, and then he grabs the face, face mask. mask yeah. of all things. Yeah. I mean, so, and that's just... Something that happens. I don't blame Harold for that. I kind, yeah. of, I kind of look at that as a stop for the defense. You just I mean, got yep. he, he gets like a negative for that, but it's not like a this is a problem going <sighs> forward. Yeah, I mean, and he probably should get a positive for knocking the yeah. You do get positive the for tackle that, back yeah. Hutchinson style. I mean, the guy went flying. <laughs> Inverse pancake. But 
other than that, we really didn't see much organic rush from anybody. Mm-hmm. Like we got a couple of Mike Morris incidents. He did briefly knock Tungavailo out of the game, and then there was another one where he got inside and flushed Tungavailoa. But we didn't see the defensive tackles really make much of an impact, other than a couple incidents where they were able to bull rush their guy kind of back into the quarterback's lap. And then the weak side ends. The one incident from Harrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moore got a sack late, I think. Yeah, Moore that, did, that, that was, was like a clean up. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Oki got mm-hmm. one good rush in and then almost sacked. Yeah. Yeah. Tongue of Iowa escapes, breaks the pocket. That's going to happen. The overall feel of this game was just like, oh, my God, this guy can sit back in the pocket and just pick Michigan apart. And until you got some of those weird blitzes late, you didn't see Tungavailoa do his weird stuff. I mean, he does that when he's stressed. Right. So, so if he, but he's not stressed. Yeah, exactly. So he was able to sit in the pocket and look like an NFL quarterback, which he may well be. Is their O-line good? Well, they return everybody. They return right. everybody. Jalen Duncan gets some NFL uh, talk. Like, he was a five-star. Like, they have talent on the line, but they weren't any good last year, and I kind of don't get the vibe that they're going to be great. They are organized, and, I mean, that comes from having five returning starters, and these yeah. guys have been playing together for a long time now. Uh, so, I mean, they they pick things up well. But you saw at the end of the game when they didn't have Tungavailoa in there, then Michigan was getting pressure all of a sudden. I think that part of it was they were trying to do a compression uh, attack where like, yeah. you just push the pocket. And may- maybe and that's... that's- that might have played into Maryland's strengths because who are those guys? They're all big athletic guards. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, if that's the combination they have, that might work for them all year. So, And, and maybe that's part of what, what the pass rush thing is, is that Michigan didn't want to have one guy go flying in to get some pressure, have Tiger Bailo miss or miss him or juke him, and then now all of a sudden you have no contain. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, a factor, but that is also – a big step down from last year when it's like, go get them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Okay. First round picks. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. just go play? <laughs> but it does like reshape how you have to play defense. Yeah. It reshapes how your defense feels. And it really takes having an elite defense just off the table. Like Michigan can have a good defense. They can have a very good defense. You can't have an elite defense with this pass rush. Just not going to happen. No, I, I mean, that's what we were sort of worried about coming in. Yeah, and so the Colorado State game happens, and everybody's like, oh, everything's fixed. Not everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was saying, I, when I UFR that, I very specifically yeah, said, I, I do not think this is going to translate against everybody. Yeah, like, well, this right tackle is the worst player we were going to pe- face this year. People were mad at us for yeah. being like, should Jalen Harrell really be able to knock over a guy with one arm? Because <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the answer there should be no. <laughs> And so we're going to reserve judgment. And I think we're still reserving judgment. Some young players, some wild cards, some guys who can come through. But, yeah, baseline expectations for this pass rush is now subpar. I, they're, the ways they can get better are more, like, weird stuff, right? More amoeba kind of things. Because they're, they're – Colson actually got stoned a couple times while blitzing. And, like, I thought that was just Maryland had good pickups. They were organized. Yeah. But I think that's going to work against most most teams. Uh, and Barrett is still just an A-plus pass rusher. Well, you just got to – I think they went into this game and they're like, all right, we're going to try to get some organic rush. Mm-hmm. And now I think you got to go into games thinking, like, we're going to be weird from the drop. We have to have a game plan yeah. to get yeah. to stop 
like the quarterback. Like yeah. we're going to be dropping Mike Morris. We're going to be sending Mike Sainer still. We're going to be sending Rod Moore. We're going to be sending. And I had a problem with their blitzes because yeah. a lot of their blitzes were just guys standing at linebacker depth and then coming. Yeah. And that it tells you exactly what's that. happening. Yeah. Well, no, it's also you're you're not at the line of scrimmage. You're not threatening, and then. You're not doing a sim pressure and then dropping off. You're just coming from linebacker level, and that's you. If you can cover, then that's gonna that's gonna work maybe sometimes. But also, if you're coming from linebacker level, they have a lot of time to figure out what's happening and where you're going. So yeah. <clears throat> it's got to get weirder. The the other thing is, I thought the tackling was inconsistent, especially early. Like Rayshon Benny, like swims a guy, and he's all of a sudden in the backfield on third and one, and then gets and then rides the guy for three yards, and that's a first down. And yeah. Mulling, the same thing sort of happened to Mullings. Oh, Mullings is going to come in really low uh, on yeah. my score. I mean, yeah. he, got, he got removed immediately after that play. That guy was 235 pounds. And he just got so, – But so was Mullings. Yeah, so was Mullings. But there, that guy does have some oomph to him. But, yeah, one thing that I think kind of popped out is, you know, Michigan defensive tackles getting play long doubles. Mm-hmm. And they're giving up a yard or two. Fine. Where's your support? Yeah. For me, that support needs to come from the linebacker level, and you need to have some guys firing down. And Michigan did not have any linebackers shooting a gap. Like, did they approach a TFL in this game? No. no. And and Colson was, after I was saying, I was like singing his yeah. praise and apologizing. Colson didn't revert to last year. He wasn't going fast in the wrong direction. He was hesitant. Right. And, and you can't be hesitant in those situations. Barrett didn't shoot a gap. Mullings Barrett can't really shoot a gap. I mean, yeah, he can shoot a gap. He can that's, try, but he kind of gets owned. He, just does, that, he doesn't at, trust himself as but a But that's, that, that's what he's got to do if he's a little bit smaller. Is yeah. You need to get into somebody, like Makari Page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's a safety. He blew up a, a guard. What was he doing? He was firing down. Yeah. And we don't really see that from the linebacker level, so that's why you saw all those kind of like two- and three-yard runs. Yeah, Rayshon Benny makes a great play. And, and he's then, there. Where's his support? Like, you well, grab a guy in the backfield— and but you expect it, a defensive tackle to be able to like yeah hold yeah, the they, guy you know, maybe they've been they've been tackling scatbacks he's he's also and we're spoiled by Mason Graham like being an instant defensive tackle who knows what he's doing but like that's a thing that you learn like you know he tackle his tackling technique was got a lot of coaches on okay. Twitter saying like okay don't tack a guy's shoulders yeah. especially a big running back like that if you yeah. go for the knees well, yeah, but, but he, he makes a great play to get in the back he's also swum past a defensive tackle Correct. right he's <laughs> not he's not exactly square right right he's not exactly able to tackle this guy exactly the way he wants to tackle he makes that play that's a yard in the backfield he's slowing that guy down someone needs to rally the ball mm-hmm. yeah like that happens all the time and what happens is that that guy gets a plus two, and the guy who comes in and finishes a play gets a plus one, and there's nobody finishing that play. Do you know who was really good at that? It was the Kai Hill Green. <clears throat> well, hopefully what, they get his, him back. He's that, missed... Do we know anything? I mean, he was supposed to be ready to go this weekend per a couple of insiders. So okay. if he's not, then I assume he's still pretty close to the field. Yeah. And I think I think Michigan will be better with him. Now, on a, yeah. well, more, I mean... on a more positive note... That was pretty much the best case scenario for the secondary. Uh huh. I mean, Jamon Green was awesome. I thought. I, I yeah, know exactly it, what you're going to say. He was what? Just uh, say it. What? Just say it. Defensive pass interference? No, no. just say what you're going to say about Jamon Green because you say it all the time about Jamon Green. I'm not saying that about. You're going to say it. No, I'm not. I mean, it's kind of true. He didn't turn his head. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> See? I knew. But it was fine. He didn't know. That was, I'm not complaining about that because he's playing the ball. I mean, there were a couple of times that he got his head around. There was the one where he was asking for offensive pass interference in the end zone. Yeah. Which was not catchable. And, but, <laughs> then there were, but they they got after him with bombs. He was in trail position. Yeah. He didn't panic. And he made it pretty much impossible for the receiver to get the ball. And Rakeem Jarrett didn't do a whole lot. Like, uh-huh. when he did do something, Mike Sainristil was in back pocket. He caught that slant. Yeah. And Sainristil was about a millimeter away from a pass break. I mean, that's great pe- coverage. Sometimes you make a good throw and a good that, catch. That was, that, that's a hat play. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. that's Mike Sainristil. That is a wide receiver. Yeah, he's not. See, this is. I, he's yes, not a wide I, receiver anymore. He was but he just went a up, DB. He so just, he's prob- I know, but he just went up against Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he won that matchup. Fair. Fair. I mean, Rakeem Jarrett had to do Jackson Smith and Jigba stuff in order to get passes, to get receptions. Yeah. And, I mean, he did not have a very productive game. And then when they tried to test him in the screen game, he killed that. Yeah. Like, there was yeah. one time he stumbled and, and Jarrett was able to tackle him and then they got a chunk. But he blew up a third and eight screen. He, and he yep. is. There was another one where a guy jumped on his back. And, like, was sitting on his back and riding him around like a horsey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But just in terms of, like, what is reasonable best case ex- expectations for Mike Sainer still, he has crushed all of those. Yes. Yeah. No, he is. He's their third best corner. Yeah. And, I mean, we have Will Johnson who can't get on the field except for a handful of snaps here and there. And for whatever reason, the last drive of the game. Well, that's because. Jamon Green was not on the field. Well, yeah, but you reason. can get him out there because that's essentially garbage time. And I kind of wanted to blame Will Johnson for that second uh, two-point conversion, too. No. But anyway, Whatever. yeah, but then, the, the, my wrongest take all offseason was that Zeke Barry was going to pass Sainer still by midseason. That ain't happening. No. It's no, not even close to happening. I said he was going to be draftable. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan. Uh, and then Turner has that interception-type substance, <laughs> which is a huge Huge turning play in, yeah. in the game. Yep. I think it might be a reception based on the rules that are currently in place because it seems like he does get it and then the ball hits the ground. I don't think it should be an interception. I think that the clearest way to have a reception is did the ball touch the ground? Yeah. Yes. Alex, Sorry, bro. Alex would argue that. He argued the whole time. He's like, these things need to be catches. Football is more fun. You want these to be catches. You don't want to try to come up with a way for them more, there to be and, more incompletions. And if you said that after Danny Cole was ruled incomplete. <laughs> well, Alex is like eight years old, so he probably doesn't remember who Danny Cole is. But, but that's that, – that as a Michigan fan, if you're listening to this, if you said that should have been a catch for Danny Cole, you're allowed to say that, Dan, that Turner had the interception. I did not. I'm on record for saying that it was not a catch, and therefore that, that, was, that should have been overturned yeah. i mean that was going to be third and long after that so it probably wasn't going to be a huge like no but, but, it, but their kickers canning them from like 55 so that's true <laughs> yeah boy that was a good pickup for them yeah anyway poor eastern so it was like probably the star of their team i think we i think we know a lot about turner i think we know more about javon green and i think we know a lot about sanger still now and then the safeties I mean, R.J. Moten has that pick. And that's a nice play. He tips it to himself. Yeah. You can't catch that on, on like, on first touch. For a guy who, who's, like, was known for, for like, <laughs> Who just has clubs for hands for drops his career. Drops in his career, Bangers only. I do, <laughs> I do have to knock Moten for the, the, the third and 21 conversion uh, where, yeah. Yeah. like, he goes inside. He goes inside of there and, yeah. like. 
He he's I see him on his yeah. way inside. I'm like, no. Yeah, he goes. He Colson goes had one of those too. Of yeah. the blocker there. Yeah, and yeah. That was a that was a pretty big mistake. But overall, it looks like they got six or seven guys in the secondary that they can rely on, which is six or seven more than some previous Michigan teams. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's going back a ways, but yeah, that is that going is back a ways yeah. now. But so, it, like, the secondary got a very stiff test, and I think they passed it with flying colors. Well, and who has a better crew of receivers and prolific quarterback before Ohio State? I mean, Penn State, maybe? Penn State, maybe. That's maybe, but it. that's a maybe. We don't even know. This could be one of the better offenses Michigan faces It will this be. Year. There's yeah. no question about that. And they, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, they didn't, they, they were stuck on 13 points until... What fourth quarter? Mid mid to late fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. So and and a couple of their drives, I I went back when I was rewatching. I was like, oh, that wasn't that, that bad from our defense. I got mad at Colson a few times. I got mad yeah. at Mullings a few times. Smith picked it up in the last. He's going to come out for a big score at, later in the. Yeah, he, may, he had some plays. He had some major plays, and and he was coming on late. Like even when they rotated good out of the field, there was like a. There was a big drop-off. Yeah. I didn't understand so, why Good was playing over Benny. In the first drive. Yeah. That was the yeah. thing that I didn't really get. Is So I get the rotation. You want to keep guys fresh and stuff. But but Good hasn't even been in the rotation. No. The second the second team defensive tackles have consistently been Graham and Benny. Right. And I don't know. And Benny was obviously he was on He was on the first yeah. drive, too. Or first or second drive. Because that's so when the third one was. I don't know if they're just trying to keep guys engaged or if it was a practice thing. I don't know. Or, or, or maybe he got, like, dinged or something like that, too. It could have been. Didn't a, look yeah. like it. Yeah. I mean, they look completely fine. Yeah. I, you never know, though. That's the kind of thing we can't tell. It's just, like, I could tell what good was on the field that it was not the same defense. Yeah. Well, I was. it was there was a certain amount of relief seeing that because I was like, oh, man, they just gashed us for six yards. That is not. And I was like, oh. Oh, oh good. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, good. That's <laughs> Caveat 99. That's, yeah. that's fine. We'll, we'll, we can. We can. Rotate ourselves. It was, that. Yeah, there was. There used to be caveat. Wilton, uh, not Wilton Spade. Uh, Jess Spade. Jess Spade. Yeah. yeah so, like, okay. Oh no, he got gashed. Oh good, it was Jess. And speaking of those drives, so they were locking Michigan on the field with tempo. Right. So if you got the backup defensive tackles right. out there, you got them out there for four or five plays. I do think it's notable that Michigan, for the most part, handled themselves pretty well against that tempo. In tempo? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I noticed anything. Well, the, there was that fourth and one conversion. Where everybody's pointing at each other. Yeah. And okay. But you and go tempo just, in those situations, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment because I brought it up in the first segment. But, like, also, fourth and one conversions are, like, in a lot of ways, you're like, okay, they're going to get it usually. Yeah. But Sometimes you don't if you win the rush. On but a like, throw. It's like, yeah, wow, and, but and, that's, was, and that, was a, that was a conversion by alignment because they, they switched up their alignment. Samer still wanted to be down, and there was nobody high. And he's like, okay, well, if you guys are doing that, I have to go high. What do they do? They throw to the guy that's on Samer still. He comes down as fast as he can. He makes a form for no, a perfect he, he, tackle, and it, it's, it's two yards. Why do you play eight yards off on fourth and one? Uh, you need to have at least one guy back, or you're going to get Maryland. Because like, mean, <laughs> remember what happened with Corm twice it can't, in this but game. It, but it can't be a, a cornerback, right? I mean, it has to be a safety. Because in that mean, situation, it you're be just anybody. But you're you asking a, you for need a human being. You're asking more than eight a, yards off the line. You're, of you're asking for zero coverage, and I think that's a reasonable ask, given where that was on the field. I think it was on a, the Michigan thirty or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a whole lot more field to give up, and you have a fourth and one shot. You got to make them earn it. Yeah. yeah. So, but tempo. Yeah. It's hard to that's true. get that perfectly. And Michigan it. got theirs with Quorum, so yeah. maybe right. maybe so you're even. I, for me, that's a good spot to take a timeout. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Especially that, when which, 
especially once you see guys like moving around and gesturing to each other as the other team is set. Right. It's not good. Yeah. And I mean, you have the defensive tackles and you can, you can make a stop with this defense. It's not like we're, you know, I wouldn't want, if you're the kind of team that's going to give up first down all the time on fourth and one, but like Michigan's not that team. Yeah. Especially you can take time out and you can put three defensive tackles on the field. So that's, that's a good point. Okay. Probably. Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, and Mozzie Smith, go, right? So, I, I mean, overall, I think my take on the defense is about the same because yeah. the secondary, I think, is better than anticipated. And then that fear about the pass rush is really coming home. But I think those yeah. mostly offset. Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of what we were coming into after, like, you know, looking through the first three games and trying to pick what was real and what was not. Like, the pass rush was like, okay, this might not work unless it's against this right tackle. God. And that was... I was so... I was like, please. <laughs> you know, please, any of this. So, do you know what... Would you know... Derek Moore did get put, because he was going up against a double one time and actually got a two. So, you know, that's still my biggest hope, is that, you know, maybe Oki, uh, like... Gets uh, gets to another level, or more comes along because I see it with him. Well, that's that's the thing is that the the pass rush guys that we were hoping would be there are still in their young phases. So I mean, what do they say? Is like halfway through the year, not a freshman anymore. So as the year goes along, and Ojabo didn't really blow up until the second half of the year. So guys well, you can saw take... signs of Ojabo very early on. Okay, more but Ojabo... than I've seen with Derek Moore. That's fair. And Derek Moore's a freshman. And, and Ojabo, Ojabo was, was like was his whole thing player. was like this guy is a freak athlete. Yeah. You just have to teach him what a football is. But that's more too though. But what you're mm-hmm. but what you're thinking is maybe these guys are going to be slightly different players after they play five, six, seven games and. I think that's still true. I mean, we saw a play yeah. from McGregor yesterday where he forced the hand, he forced the give in the backfield, and then tracked the guy down. So I don't know that McGregor's there, but we we were watching him not play the run really well early in the year. He wasn't in for a ton of plays, although he did drop in coverage randomly in, in one yeah. one play. And did well, yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, I think I think they actually com- converted that, but like that was the second read. He took away the first read, and he was on his way, and then made the tackle on the second read after three yards. Right. So I think that there are still signs. I don't know that we're destined to be like, this is exactly who we are because these guys are all young and in three or four games, they might pop a little more. And and in a world where they're going to call anything holding, he has, well, he has, so there he, he has a sack in this game too. We, we should probably talk about that. Okay. There were multiple incidents where guys coming off the edge, it happened to Rod Moore twice, mm-hmm. where the offensive tackle has his hands on the outside of his shoulder pads. And and is putting his weight on and yeah, just you yanking just, him down. You can't you can't let that go. And I'm, I get very frustrated because the standard for Big Ten holding is now pretty absurd. <laughs> it's like you literally have to be tackled after shedding, and like that shouldn't be the, the rule because the rule is you can grab someone's chest plate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you cannot grab outside their shoulders, mm-hmm. and you can't do it consistently on every freaking down. And now it seems like every offensive line is the Michigan State offensive line because they just don't call this stuff. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like... So we should go to the honor system. Well, it feels like... Is that a preview? That people don't want sacks to happen because it's not enough offense and you don't put up points. So it's always a... Like, we should call more holding. It's probably something in the league office is going to be like, I don't know about that. But it's just super frustrating because, like, Seth... You think everything is holding. Well, but he has, a, he has an O-line <laughs> offensive mind. I know. But 
there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I go over and I'm like, that's uh, not really holding. Well, no, no, I, no, no, no. I am with you because like there's there's a thing that a lot of fans think is holding. Where like there's an arm because you get a picture of a guy who's like arms around someone, and right? Like, and that's often because they've engaged correctly, and then the right. defender has twisted themselves, and that's not years. holding, right? Yeah, and I don't call that holding. I'm talking about like just. Michigan State style, I'm going to immediately put my hands on the outside of your yeah, shoulder pads and grab on. can't allow that. And then they were actually hauling those guys down in this play. In there, this was, there was definitely a McGregor incident early in the game where he there's he's bowled over one of the tackles, and that guy grabs his jersey and pulls McGregor to the ground. Yeah. That is was it and was that a Rod Moore on the same play too? Was, was that like going to be an impactful play? Like was well, yes. Tagovailoa on his Tug, way out? Tagovailoa had had fluffed to the other side of the pocket, so I so don't. He probably I, doesn't get him. He probably doesn't. This is probably not something that directly impacts what happened on the play. Yeah, but I I was really surprised when I saw that replay because that always gets called. If you are falling to the ground and you take and a defender with down. you, that yeah. always gets called. And that didn't get called, and it kind of set the tone for a game with no penalties that should have had penalties. Well, in <laughs> On Mar- both sides. Like, and Maryland yeah. has a— Like there was one quorum run where Trent A. Jones lets his guy inside and then just tosses him to the ground and then puts his hands up like <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, ah, I think that one's a I mean, I too. thought Schoonmaker held on, on a play where— Quorum got outside, and you're kind of like, oh, that's a chunk run, but maybe it's not. I think Michigan like, should have held a lot more because of the way they're playing, calling the game. This is not a conversation about how like this game was close because of refereeing interference. It was the referees were just non-existent in this game, and like whatever you wanted to get away with, you could, and both teams did. Yeah. So, I mean, they need to be stricter on this stuff. At the very least, if you put your hands on the outside of a guy's shoulder pads— it should be game over, like because that's just not fair. Because the, the the bummer about that is then if you don't call it, then ev- like you're saying, everyone's going to start doing it, and now yeah. we've reset the standard for what holding is, and now you're going to get away with a ton of holding, and it, we've the rules changed. And, and now there's no point in having a good offensive line. You can just recruit a bunch of moops and have them, you know. Well, Michigan State moops. is busy uh, re- re- repudiating that thought right now. Yeah. So. Uh, which we will talk about later on the podcast. We're going to take a break, come back, talk to the Sklars, and talk about some game theory stuff, because there was some. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. 
It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734 945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. To the whole South Pole where they keep it cold, you gotta get on this. And to the people on the couch in my back house, just get on this. Check it out. I'll take an oath and promise not to use a Thomas guide to provide a way to get from point A to point B so I can see my way through this stratego. I gotta put the group before my ego. Cause sometimes we bump heads like NFL linemen. Ugly duckling isn't all fun and rhyming. Uh-huh. We take the bitters with the sweets. So, so we want the fortunes of war and no more defeats. Now I'll take you how you want it, want it, take it from me. On this night, I nearly had a fist fight with Dizzy. And this group struggled with... Randy! <laughs> Jason! <laughs> David! Not Brian, because he didn't get here in time. I need takes hotter than Adrian Martinez whenever he plays Oklahoma. Oh, was, was he hot or what? hey I mean, so I guess if you don't play for Nebraska, that's you, you're going to hold on to the ball. Is right. going to happen. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you need my take. Randy, give me your hottest take. Maryland is the third best team in the Big Ten East. <laughs> is that your take? Yeah. You can't read my notes. Did I read oh, oh, my God. I'm just, I walked in Maybe there. Maybe I'm the... just your writer. I'm oh sorry, yeah, God, Dave. Dave. I'm, I'm channeling Dave Masternak. You were buying the Talia Tongavalea. Uh, I mean, I, I, I so never, if Tonga, never get this right. Tonga, <laughs> Tonga Vailoa. So I am, I do it in two parts. Seth. I thought this Tonga. Violia. I got the first name right. Talia. Talia. It all sounds like something that you have to put on your shoulders when you become a man or woman in the Jewish religion. <laughs> put on your Talia. Tonga and make sure you grab the tongue of So here's the deal. So they, I, I thought this defense was supposed to be terrible, and either our wide receivers are 
really terrible, which I don't believe, or they just covered us really well. Well, they so, played like a great zone. I thought they schemed as a team really so well. They, both did. They, was, they did. They did. They're like this was like their Super Bowl. Like that was like some like maybe we, Mike. Have we ever played a team that does that to us before? Uh, mm. Like let's just save for Ohio State, man. Uh, <laughs> so they they did scheme really well, and I was like, wait, is Mike Loxley calling this game? Who who's scheming this game here? Because he <laughs> tends to not do that after the non-conference schedule is is done, but I don't know. I think this is a good team. I think they're going to beat Michigan State next week. I, that's you know, that's not even I know. <laughs> if they can beat Penn State, that's, that's if they can beat yeah. Penn State, that's really the question. I do think they're going to get beat by Ohio State, but, you know, they're, they're that's in Maryland. That's in Maryland, and their offense is going to tax people. I, if this defense that showed up against us yesterday, and I do like their running backs. I, they, they run hard. They run really hard. So this Maryland team surprised me. They're the third best team. Jason. Well, you got Jason, give me your honest take. Okay, my voice is shot, but yeah, I'm going to do this. Sucks, All right, here we go. Jesus <clears throat> Christ, man. Before he went to bed last night, Kane McNamara said to himself, yeah, bitch, this shit is hard. <laughs> wow. So, <clears throat> Cade McNamara probably said to himself many times during the game yesterday, it's not as easy as it looks, my friends. It's not as easy as it looks. Now, everyone gave him a lot of crap. Everyone said this guy needs to move to the second spot in line. But we saw yesterday what happens when pressure is on, when you're losing in a game, when these throws downfield, all of a sudden I'm like, did did um, Shea Patterson and did he switch souls in like a 1980s soul <laughs> switch, switch movie, movie? Yeah. with J.J. McCarthy? Because every single one of these passes, these players are open and the ball has and no ander. They're flat. A lot of the passes deep were flat. And I'm like, man, he's missing these guys. And it's not because or, he can't or a couple make that too throw. long. A couple too long. Here's my question. He he, it's not like he can't make the throws. Right. It's that when the pressure gets different, when the game becomes more intense, when there's a the entire Big Ten season is suddenly on the line yesterday. We're down 13-10 and it's like, oh my God, we're in a dogfight. And I think, you know, Cade lived through that, made some mistakes, but then brought us through last year. And I think there's a moment where he did, I think, say to himself, man, it's hard. Uh, well. So you can do day. So yeah, you, now that you're here, you can ask David to do his hot take. All right. Dave, give me your hottest take. Now I'm here. <laughs> One of these guys has already took it. I think we've already been over this. but um, I just had something along the lines of, at the end of the regular season, Maryland will be Michigan's third best win. Mm. Okay. That's good. You're on the same. Yeah. That's a different. That's slightly different third than what best I said. Well, win. I was going to go. That's like beating Ohio State and. I mean, in theory, yes. And if you Penn go State. down the line and let's So they Michigan just jumped Michigan State, is what you're trying to say. Well, <laughs> them and Rice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Iowa, assumingly. So. Yeah. Are and we? That's, so my thought was like, I looked at that game and I really. One of the main takeaways was I thought Maryland was actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They played pretty well and schemed decently well. Mm -hmm. Now, there are things that they don't do well and there are mistakes that were made. Right. Like Michigan had. But I was impressed at, well, I don't know, not committing any penalties. Yeah, that was... Did they have one penalty? They had no, one. We had yeah. one, but one. nothing well, significant. Well, I would say they committed one. Well, that's... I mean, there were some, but they... No. I mean, everything was yeah, let go. No. I mean, there was a couple on Michigan. Like, yeah, I think there was, there was definitely... had an OPI, and Schoonmaker had a couple holds, and... Yeah. Michigan got away with at least one, so... So maybe not yeah. win, but, like, this is the... Th when you look back at the season, you look at the... 
the games that Michigan played that were big this games. This will be their third toughest schedule. Yeah, I mean, like, remember in 2015, Michigan beat, shut out Northwestern, and then they went 10-3? and three? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of like this level of game where you're like, whoa, that was actually a pretty good win because that team had double-digit wins. Mm. It felt kind of like the Northwestern game, too, where, like, I was not really worried we were going to lose, but, like, it's just like, okay... Time to pull away. All right, time to get this score. Like, yeah, I remember games like that where I wasn't worried we were going to lose, and then we lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe so, this team is built different. I mean, again, the Blake Corum factor. It's like that. Guy, you need that guy to 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 carry you through those games that we would normally lose. All right. Uh, have you guys done yours? We have. We done yours, so it's on me now. It's on you. Yeah. What were your takes? My take was that Maryland is the uh, good. Maryland's the third best team in the Big Ten East. Okay. My Maybe. Take was, so, so you mean just the Big Ten? In the Ten, Big Ten. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I don't know. Minnesota, man. <laughs> Minnesota, dude. Minnesota. My take was that uh, Cade McNamara, before he went to sleep last night, said to himself, yeah, bitch, this shit is hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Seth, give me your hottest take. I used my Cade one, actually. So I'm switching oh, over no. to, we should just get rid of refs altogether. <laughs> just like call your your own foul? Yeah, like they did back <laughs> in the that day. How's that going to work in the Michigan State game? <laughs> the same way the Michigan State game always works, Brian. Like so. they just commit fouls and they get away with them. It's uh, no different. <laughs> it's no different. I mean, this game they they just they're not calling a single thing. So Seth, like, what you're saying is like, we should eh, just hold, hold eh. on every play. Yeah, hold on every play. They do anyway. They commit oh, pass interference Seth, every play. Every and then on. and now it's on the players. Seth, and now it's on the players. The so we're not mad at the refs anymore. We're just like. It, it teaches just, them to be responsible for themselves. But you it's don't want the honor. guy. You don't want the it's guy from the honor. rec league who like literally throws up the shot, waits to see if it goes in, and if it doesn't, he's like, "I got it. Yeah. I got it. I got, I got it. it. I it's got about it. honor. We it's are the about Big honor. Ten. <laughs> we're we're going to teach honor <laughs> in the Big Ten. This isn't all a the other academy. Center. All the other conferences. This is why it's what? a hot take. Okay, but all the other conferences. <laughs> so hot. This is how the Big Ten's officiated right now. Anyway, if you just get rid of refs, hang on. Can I do my impression of Seth. We should get rid of the timekeeper at Michigan State. Oh, wait, they already did. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> yes, you're wrong. I can't wait to hear Brian's. Uh, okay, well, here, here, here. Mike Hart, but fast. <laughs> so in the preseason, I wrote up the running mm-hmm. back. Yes. And I noted that Blake Corum didn't really make many yards after contact last year. Liar. And then <laughs> Sam, we were we were off we were we did our show with Sam and then yeah. after the show he was talking about how Blake Corum was very upset about everybody talking about how he could not make yards after contact. Mm-hmm. I apologize to Blake Corum. Oh, man. That's great. It's My good man. to say that. Glad uh, you, you you are happy maybe to Maybe you were the inspiration. Uh, yeah, that's probably Bullet board motivation. material. Uh, <laughs> Bullet board. Yeah, he's, just, he's got like a dartboard with my face. <laughs> just Stop. Shoots bullets at him. So, but it's like third and one, and he gets 500 guys... 500 pounds of guys trying to tackle him. And he pushes through. Haskins style. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like... That's, he got something. You know what he, he did yesterday too. A couple times is he got lost in the line a little because he is small. He he yeah. did the mm-hmm. I'm the small guys yeah. like the remember the the, the little Sanders person thing. who little person who came. It up was a Barry Sanders. They were yeah. like he's in a phone booth and he's but he made like three yards happen. Again, we talk about Haskins getting the three yards. He made him happen at a point where we needed it in a very small way, which was great too. And now like there are no caveats. I I it it finally happened, and Fred Jackson came back this year, so he did it. Yes. <laughs> well, and Mike Hart. And coach. also, also Mike Hart. 
<laughs> and also Blake Corum, who apparently spent the entire offseason just squatting Yugos. I mean, yeah. God bless him. Right. Amen. There, well, there was that quote from Donovan Edwards in the offseason where, like, who works out the hardest? He's like, Blake Corum, like, I feel bad that I can't work out like that guy can. And then he injured himself. Yeah. Wow. Making uh, that comment. Hey. All right. If you can't get enough Sklars, hit up the nosebleeds. I keep calling it cheap seats, mm-hmm. which is a cheap seats reboot based on UFC on UFC Fight Pass. And check out their many, many podcasts that you can look up online. All right. Tempo discussion. Go. Uh, you mean like on the fourth down stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I thought it was a really good idea to – I was screaming in the stands when they were a yard short. Like, go. go. Well, first of all, they need to go for this. I was screaming is, time out. But. Which is, <laughs> so we're on different pages here. Well, I was – They different need to call time about. out. No, no. This is the, the oh. quorum touchdown, right? Yeah. Right before the half. Yeah. So there was like 42 seconds. And by the time they snapped that, there was 33 seconds. And I was like, well, you're not going to get a more – impactful time to get your time out mm-hmm. well okay. and then i was like oh well i guess that's fine i did the uh brady hoke thing where he's like time out time out time out ah oh, never mind <laughs> did you see the uh end of the manning cast when peyton manning wants the broncos to call time out and i have never seen a manning cast. that's unfortunate it was also clipped and put on the internet which oh, you've probably seen, seen where he calls time out 62 timeouts in the matter of like 30 seconds. They, they just count every time that he hits his, his hands together to form a T. Yeah. 62. And anyway, it made me think of that when you said that you were doing that in the stands. Anyway, I was on team opposite end of the spectrum where right. I was like, go for this because if you get, if you run up to the line and you know the play or what you want to do, because obviously they've had this discussion pregame or, or in their practices and you want to run quorum. And it's kind of like one of those plays where you get both the quarterback and the running back both going forward, and you're going to pull or give depending on what you see. Like the defense is going to be slow to line up, and they're going to have to get in the right spots. And if they're not, which is something that Harbaugh has done over his career of getting linebackers and, and defensive tackles in the wrong places, and there's a gap, you have a touchdown, which is exactly what happened. Schoonmaker had the block. Bell had the block because the cornerback thought, oh, this is going up the middle. It's not. Quorum hits the hole and no one's catching it. Well, I think it's designed to go up the middle, but we just have the kind of back who's like, I know where I'm going. Well, you find where the hole is and he saw it. Well, I think he saw that before the snap. Well, I think he saw that Maryland was aligned and he's he like knew that it was a touchdown before he got the ball. But my argument to what you were saying is if you call a timeout there, I get that. That I was just talking about like saving the time. Correct. And and I and that makes sense. The problem is then the defense can get set for a fourth and one, yeah. and you think you're probably going to get it, but this is a free touchdown. Yeah. My only problem with going for it, and this has happened a couple times with Michigan, uh, the, if you watch the play beforehand, a review might have overturned it and given them the first down anyway. <laughs> and it's not the first time this has happened yeah. where Michigan turned down an opportunity to get a you know at least a second shot at. I mean, spot reviews yeah. are so. I would not. I would never change anything I'm doing on the idea yeah. that a spot's going to get over. Also, <sighs> in those situations where you have 41 seconds or 31 seconds or whatever it is, like it's going to take them 20 seconds to get to that point to be like, oh, maybe no, we but should it's, review this. No, but it's an out. argument for a timeout. Well, if you take a timeout, then there's you a could chance spend of getting a spot your, review. You could spend your review because it's not like that's a super useful thing. You might as well do it there. Yeah. I can see that argument, I guess. But, yeah. I mean – but Michigan doesn't – they didn't do that last year either. They would just, you know, okay, fourth and one, get to the line, and they would sneak it or they have some. And this time – When you have play. a quorum and you have a McCarthy who can run and you have the O-line that they have, 
I don't, yeah. I don't mind taking that shot. You notice in that play, actually, uh, McCarthy, I don't think it was a live read, but he actually was aligned because Quorum's coming down his left side. So he was aligned to make the read on the edge. There was no edge to read because the guy just like, <laughs> took himself out of the play. Yeah. Well, no, so that like that's not a live read. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But, yeah. it was, but he was there to threaten if, it was, if there was anybody on the edge, and that could actually, you know— so, so to me, something they can play off in the future. When you have that mutual step forward at the line of scrimmage, that is not mm-hmm. a, a live read situation because your quarterback's momentum is taken towards the line of scrimmage, so he doesn't have that advantage over a defensive end who's moving in the sure. same way. Sure, so I think because he's have to stop and then yeah. cut instead yeah. of those, just yeah, yeah. Those are never those are never live. That's especially if, on fourth and yeah. Foot. If, if it was a read. Quorum actually ends up running into exactly the same right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, yeah. And one thing that I think is, is good for Michigan to execute on these is it also helps you when you're playing defense. Because you, when you're practicing that stuff, you got to, all right, all right, it's tempo time. And it's also tempo time for the defense. And I think that, that helped them on a, on a team that was really going fast for much of the yeah. first quarter. So I just, I just want to note as well, because I've, for some reason, was watching Miami last night as well. And for some reason, <laughs> well, the other options were what Rutgers versus. Oh, I watched a lot of Rutgers <laughs> Iowa last night. Rutgers Iowa. I was well, no, so not. that was that was on at the same time as the Michigan State Minnesota game, and I yeah. watched. Wait, all of that. <laughs> Michigan State Minnesota. What, what was on the same time? It was it was a three thirty window. For, oh yeah, yeah. for oh, well, for it was Miami for Middle Miami Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. There's a yeah. lot of games on that. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it was the it was the evening window, whatever it was. Anyway, I uh, and they ran the Josh Gaddis fourth and one play a couple times, and I was the that tight zone where Michigan just lets a guy crash in and like hopes to get forward yeah and like that play drove me nuts last year and like seeing miami run it and then did they get it no <laughs> uh and then <laughs> not all three times uh <laughs> and then seeing us you know getting a touchdown from blake Corm, i was like oh okay. that's probably more a function of the backs than anything else the other thing that really stuck stuck out in this game is it's fourth and two you're on the other side of the 50 and you're running it down their throats. You can't punt there. No kidding. For, well, that's your that's your plus possession, right? You defer to the second half. You get your chance. You get the touchdown at the end. So you're up, and this is your now we can take control of this game. Mm-hmm. And you're punting from a situation where you're like, I don't know. There's a number of plays you call here that probably work. And like, how often are you going to get the ball back at that same spot versus stopping Maryland, who's been moving the ball on you all day? Yeah, and this is an – I mean, there was – it wasn't a scoring game, weirdly, until late, but it was an offensive game because teams are moving the ball, like you said. Right. Both teams, actually. Right. Yeah, and again, Blake Horm is rushing for, like, nine yards of carry. <laughs> like, you got to put him out there and at least fake it to him, and then you can probably waggle that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of ways to get two yards when you have better players than the other team. Yeah. So I just, I just was, and I, I think I understand that there was some disappointment in, in McCarthy at that moment because he uh-huh. really needed to pull it and throw that RPO. Hmm. But I mean, so maybe that was it. Maybe that was just like, nope. I gotta, call, I gotta talk to JJ. I mean, to me, that's timeout. Put Quorum on the field. Is it Run weird? Well, that's what play. I'm saying. Is it weird? That you would run like an RPO with Gash? 
Like they, like, I mean, uh, does that make a difference if you bring like sort of like a third or fourth, like a walk on fourth string guy? If they're running like all stuff with Honigford, they're not caring about the difference between Gash and Quorum. Well, okay. so I mean, that drive was f- five runs, and so you you just run it four times with Quorum, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, we're going to get this guy a breather. How about we run an RP? That's also the one of the things where that decision was really disappointing, is because mm-hmm. like it seems like set up. To be like, it's third and four, we're going to play action, we're going to get it out to heading. Uh-huh. Because we have Isaiah Gash on the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... And if you have Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards probably takes two of those carries, and, that, mm-hmm. and, and then you have Quorum out there for the third and four. Just on the surface, it looked crazy. And then, and then you're punting on their side of the field on fourth and two. Never a correct decision, unless it's like two touchdowns and there's eight minutes left or something. Or unless you're Iowa and like your right. your if, superpower is and, and, putting people but, inside the five. But and, and give <laughs> but given what you're doing on the ground, it's like, man, you gotta go for that. But uh, one more thing. I wanted them to kick it to Ty Felton. I know <laughs> I know. I was like Why are you dude. going out of the end zone now? Come on. I was I was like on the second time. On the second yeah. one I was like <laughs> you have to pop this up. Right. <laughs> To the same person. He's got to freak out. Just just in case. I mean, everyone in the stadium is yelling, don't drop it at the guy. Like, everyone knows. I mean, just doink it off the guy's face mask again. So you said that the, the last drive where they scored the touchdown didn't really matter. It was sort of a function of, like, score and time and everything. Well, no, because they're giving up, like, third and 21 and fourth and 15 and that kind of so stuff. So the interesting thing about that is I think Maryland came into that drive with, I don't remember if they had all three of their timeouts or if they had just two of them, but a couple of sacks and good defensive plays on that drive, I don't forced is the right word, but encouraged them to use timeouts. Mm-hmm. And that changes the end of game because then – if they let's say they have two or three of those timeouts post onside kick, yeah. you can stop. They did bleed it down to forty five seconds and no timeouts. And yeah. and the no timeouts thing. That changes I mean, to me, I mean, we talk about timeout <sighs> usage a lot over the years, but like you have to when you're trailing, you have to save them for that time. Yeah. Because otherwise you're rolling the dice on a on a losing scenario on a, on an onside kick. It's such a weird drive because they took out Talia Tonkavilio. They had him in there. <laughs> I'm never getting it right. Just give it up, guys. That was that was. It's amazing because you've we, just call him Tago. He's Tata. Just, you can't type the whole thing out every single time. You have to come up with like shortened names. I know. For Tata was the nickname I used last year, and that worked for me. That's just, his, it sounds brother, very offensive. Do, do you have small children? Do you have small Tua. children? His brother's so? name is Tua. <laughs> <laughs> you can call someone Tua, but not Tata. Tua Leah is his name, right? This guy. I mean, that's not yeah. Talia. Oh, is it Talia? Talia. Talia. Vialoa. Talia. Okay. Talia. I'm, anyway. Uh, All right. So, so they took him. Are you, are you saying Joe no, 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 no. is wrong? We're done. <laughs> the, the train is going off the tracks. But yes. They, they, they took him out of the game. They yeah. bring their backup, who looked good, by the way. Or at least yeah, manageable. He slung it on that fort. Uh, so the, the, long the way final from the Borton Schlager. The final I miss him. Yeah. Max Borton Schlager so, and, the, and the 500 ball. So they so they, they took him out, and you were you were at a point with this. Yeah, no, I was just like, it was weird that, like, because they left him in the rest of the game, and it wasn't like he took a hit before that. No, I just took him out. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I, and then, like, okay, so well, if, he did go out of the game after the Morris. Hit. Yeah, so yeah but he maybe came back after that. Well, maybe they thought with two down two possessions, if he's not feeling, if he's hurting, and you're not going to force it, I don't know. Yeah. If it's a, it's a borderline concussion situation. Yeah. Uh, well, 
I mean, but borderline. I, I don't think it was his head that it got hit. Though it was, I, it the, was hip. The thing that makes the most sense from that pattern mm-hmm. is he got concussed, and the the medics were like, "He's not quite concussed." And then really close when but. you're when you're down two touchdowns with that amount of time left, you're like, yeah. "All right, we've lost. Uh-huh. We don't want him taking another hit that could really mess him up." That's not something that any Maryland fan is going to be happy to hear, and it is speculation it's, on my part, but it is the thing that makes the most sense. And it's also like how sports work. It's I, not. It's yeah. not. It's not. I mean, this isn't. Like I know. I, a human I don't, friendly game. I don't want to make that. I don't want to voice that without. You know, I've, I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> right? Pattern yeah. there is weird. But if you, but if you, it's but not if an you accusation that, at all. We're not like Maryland fans. Your team is like I'm done here. being surprised that a potentially injured player is playing in a game. Right. Like that. That well, they a play long with injuries ago. all the time. Concussion is concussions are specific. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My point still stands. Yeah, though. and and it, the same pattern works if it was a you know a hip thing and he just couldn't run like he could run before. We got to ask for a ruling from you. That's right. Sadness. Oh, it's thirty-four to nothing. <laughs> Noah Kim strides I mean, onto the field. So, so my point is like you, you can't ask your your backups to not play. I mean, you, yeah. you you play to win the game, and you play to not get shut out. Whatever. <laughs> Wait, there's fourteen seconds left. Yeah, and you got so Jeremy. I, yeah, and, but this kid. Jeremy. I mean, but this kid is like. Coming into the game, he has a chance to throw a touchdown pass. He doesn't know how many how many passes he's going to attempt in his college career. I don't really blame him. It's still a sad touchdown because of the timing and, like, okay, like, you put that on the board so okay. you didn't get shut out. But I'm also not going to say, like, oh, you should just run it, run the clock out. Like, no one wants to do that. If you get 10 snaps a year and you're like, I just have to hand it off, I want to throw the ball. Right. So, it, so Never bunt hit diggers. So it was not a sad touchdown, but it was defeated with dignity. <laughs> that was not defeat with dignity. <laughs> there, there's no, there's there no dignity in being down 34 nothing to Minnesota. There's no dignity in being Michigan State in the first place. Oh, That's the whole no. point. They would disagree with that. The, the last note that I had is I've tried to track this every week, and the percentage seems to be going up. But passing on first downs in the first half, Michigan was 8 of 18 this time, which is 44%. So we're cl- we, it seemed to be climbing a little bit higher. You know, you brought up that maybe running zone read type stuff when you have McCarthy in the game kind of changes um, some of the scenarios in terms of, like, do you need to throw in those situations to be aggressive? You might be able to run because of the quarterback run. Mm -hmm. But it looks like they're still giving him chances to make plays downfield, and that is starting to grow. And I, I mean, I like that, especially with this group of receivers and tight ends in this case. And then you have Coram, right? Like, you can always slip him out of the backfield. And, I mean, that's what Tom Brady did for years is throwing the ball to his running backs. And now we have maybe the best option to do that. So I like, I like it that they're that continuing is to stay aggressive in, in, that, in that regard. That is something that we haven't really seen very much of. Mm-hmm. Just dump it to Coram. I mean, we've seen it before. They did it last I mean, year. But I'm just they in did terms it a few of like, times last year. <laughs> but, like, but, like, I'm not talking about, like, yeah. dumping it to Coram as, like, a check down. I'm talking no, about, like, a like We've not seen a we've not flare, seen a slip screen, slip screen, just a a plain running back screen, anything like that. Yeah, the Mike Hart screen. Where is that? I mean, because you get him in a little bit of space, and so that was one of the. I can't remember which play that Craig and I were looking at last night. It was a, a ball where McCarthy uh, McCarthy threw it to. I think it was the out to Schoonmaker that he might have dropped. Maybe that was earlier. I can't remember the play, but well, anyway, he, he, he had a low throw. I, he had. 
Quorum coming out of yeah. the backfield. He should have caught it, but it was like a marginal throw, I think. He, well, he had, he had Quorum coming out of the backfield. I don't think that's the throw. It's a different play, but he had him coming out. He throws to the left, and Quorum's leaking out to the right, and he's in acres of space, and there's a linebacker there eight yards off. And, like, Craig was just like, well, why are you throwing the first read to Schoonmaker? Maybe it was a catch to Schoonmaker. That, that might have been. So I was like, fine. But you're like, you have Quorum coming out the other way. You put him in space. He's like, what are the odds that's a touchdown? Because it's... I mean, it's him against a linebacker with two wide receivers blocking downfield. So yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, All right. I I did want to mention something because this is a, a Weiss thing and it kind of fits in this section. Is that uh, like the Moneyball version of football? Like what a lot of the analyst guys talk about is like taking balls, getting four or five yards on first down, dramatically changes the success rate of your of, of your second downs hmm. and. Michigan was getting a lot. I know this. They were getting to second and two, not second and six or five, because yeah. Quorum was actually making extra yards. Uh, but that's definitely a Weiss thing, where like they're looking on first down to have successful second downs, and it's it's interesting to see that play. And I think um, Scott Bell wrote about this in our, our book this year because it actually it feels like you're going back to like a 1970s truism, where like you know you gotta you gotta run staying to the ahead of the downs, stay ahead, yeah, you know, staying ahead yeah. of the chains. Um, and it's it's interesting to to note where they're taking their shots downfield because they're trying to stay ahead of the chains, yeah. but they're also not trying to be like you know you don't want the defense to know what you're doing. But I definitely see that in the offense this year, and I saw it last year, and I think that it's something that's just part of Michigan's offense, and something you can expect to see that they they're going to look for short passes on first down if they're going to pass. Um, and like I think they've started now two games in a row with uh, with just a quick out. Yep. And like, and that's the same. And they kind throw, of thing. they threw a number of those yesterday, and yeah. a lot of times on first downs. So yeah. you're right, yeah, yeah. And so, and like, and that's so when you talk about like when they're going to throw on first down versus run, it's not run versus throw. It's can you get an, uh, can you start your drive on task because you can take your shots in places, but having the that having that percentage stay high is uh like over the course of a game is really going to affect the success of your offense and the and your drives and I think we saw it last year and I think we saw it this year and I think that's Matt Weiss playing numbers. So All right, well one thing that we need to do is we need to stop running almost literally every time we're in the pistol. <laughs> <laughs> That was like a 92% rate last week and uh-huh. I don't think it's any different this week. I don't know if they threw once from the pistol. Huh. So that's that's a dead giveaway right now. Yeah, that's unless you're doing fix. RPOs, which is still well, play that's even yeah. even even so. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, talk to Jamie. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. It's painless. It's online. 
It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein, he's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance, and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also, like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein Insurance, this this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself use them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our complicated loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. In my opinion, nation, the sun is gonna surely shine. Stop all your fussing, slap on a smile. Come out and walk in the sun for a while. Don't like the feeling, you know you want to have... Hey, forks. Hey, forks. Hey, forks. <laughs> we recorded this at Venue, and we thought about forks because the food here is delicious. You can order online on Toast Tab and either pick it up or have it delivered. There's four different menus, too. There's five different, different menus. menus. One There's five the, different menus. One of them is a bar menu. There's six different menus. It's five. There's eight. Five. There's 17 different menus. This is this is like when you have to name like what podcast this is. And it's parking. You can park here. Come to venue. We welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com for 45 minutes of discussion of Minnesota, Michigan State. How you doing, yeah, and Jamie? Then, and then when we're done with that, I'm going to go up to East Lansing and try out for defensive back. <laughs> <laughs> you can try out for just about anything. All right. Tell so, them your name is fast. Right. <laughs> so Minnesota... Does not punt. 
No. Uh, they're 10 of 12 on third downs. They pass for over 10 yards in attempt. Uh, Mo Ibrahim goes over 100 yards. And before a 75-yard touchdown drive with backup quarterback Noah Kim and some guy named Jeremy in the game, they have a total of 165 yards against Minnesota, which, to be fair, had a very good defense last year and looks like they have a very good defense this year. However the hell P.J. Fleck pulled that off. But this is a comprehensive domination that is worse than the final score. Uh, yes, and, and that makes up for last week's outcome, which the, the, the score was closer than it really than it really was because of those garbage TDs. And going back to a week ago, what Michigan State allowed ninety nine percent of the available yards to be gained on their first seven drives the defense faced. Well, for the game yesterday, Minnesota gained ninety percent of the available yards that they could gain for the game. For the game, the whole game, um, crazy. And let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys a question. Ponder your favorite college football team, the beloved Wolverines. How comfortable would you feel with a Division II transfer starting in your secondary? Not comfortable. How about if you had two? Worse. Okay, because that's what's going on in Michigan State right now. They are, I mean, they are to, to uh, they have I, D2 transfers. Am I, the, now, am I like, going to be the guy defending Michigan State in this no, segment? No, okay, don't do that. <laughs> You just you just be quiet and let us talk if that's what your approach is going to be. Yeah, you don't need a devil's advocate or, or Michigan no. State's advocate here. You, Same what, thing. What are you going to say? <laughs> that, that they're super injured on defense and like you know Slade's out, so that they were already out their best defensive tackle, the best defensive tackle in the conference, by the way. And then they lost their other defensive tackle in this game. Well, he's, and he looks like he's done for the year, so that's not. Yeah, he looked really hurt. Yeah, and yeah, and after a blindside hit, and like. And then they they My lost their bleeds. Yeah, and then their safeties are gone. And those are like the the only guys who had experience. I didn't say they were good, but they had experience in the secondary. They had experience of being the worst secondary, and yeah. they knew what one. they were. He he understood. <laughs> Xavier Henderson was like, oh, I've been there. I've been through this before. All right, another down. Goldfish. Like he's not like experiencing this for the first time, right? <laughs> It's like some of these guys are from Georgia. They're like, what is this? Why are we so disorganized? How come nobody is doing what they're supposed to do? Am I supposed to do his job and not my job? Would you like to know Minnesota's time of possession in this game? I'd love to. 42 minutes and 30 seconds. That's Wow. 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 Well, that that's another aspect of carbon copy, carbon copy rather of the Washington game, you know, against the Huskies. Um, Washington snapped 27 of the game's first 33 offensive snaps. Mm-hmm. That got us into the second quarter. It was 16 nothing by the time that sequence ended. And against Minnesota, um, the Gophers had 31 of the game's first 37 snaps. And it was uh, 17 to nothing well into the second quarter by the time that sequence ended. So it kind of feels like Michigan State has an inability to play real football games right now. Well, their ground game is nothing. They ran 14 times in this game for 38 yards. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Kenneth Walker should have won two Heisman <laughs> yeah. for making well, them look good. I, I, there, no argument except for you know, no one, no one's ever going to win the Heisman for Michigan. Well, yeah, like, but he should not only win the Heisman, but he should whatever award they if they gave an award up. You know, Mel Tucker gets all this credit for like. Using the transfer portal to turn Michigan State around. Actually, he just hit it big with Kenny Walker because all these defensive back recruits, or I'm sorry, transfers that they've gotten from Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, they all just keep getting whipped. Kimbrough, the kid from uh, Florida, Florida yeah. 
has, has been benched in favor of the one of the aforementioned D2 transfers. And um, Amir Speed, the kid they brought in from Georgia this year, I mean, maybe there was a reason why he didn't play for five years at Georgia. I mean, I know that's the most talented <laughs> program in the country, but, you know, I mean, right now Kenneth Walker was the bell cow for that whole turnaround last year. And really, he's the only transfer that's sort of been worth a damn for State. Even the kid they brought in from UNLV, had, what, five sacks in his first two games? He doesn't have a single quarterback pressure in these last two weeks. And there's been a lot of prep passes that the defense has faced. So, okay, I I called myself out for being wrong in the preseason earlier in this podcast, so I feel like I deserve one for saying that transfers are overrated as my like big take of the of the preseason podcast. Yeah, in football, I, I completely agree with that. Basketball, not so much. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So I guess we should talk about the trajectories of these two teams. It feels like Minnesota is suddenly the clear favorite to win the West. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I mean. They have to figure out how to way to be Iowa. They have not been able to do that under P.J. Fleck. Score 10 points. What? Score 10 points. Yeah, yeah, right. Kick a few field goals. But the Iowa and Wisconsin games are at the end of the year. There's there. This team is a lock to be, you know, at worst one loss, I think, going into those last two games. And that puts you in contention for the West. They play Purdue at Illinois at Penn State. That's going to be a tough one. Rutgers at Nebraska and Northwestern before those final two games. There's a lot of wins. There's a lot of Mo Ibrahim rushing yards in there, probably. And uh, they're just they're just steady. They're just a steady, and steady team. I know that we're basing this off a game against a very bad secondary, yeah. but it didn't seem like they missed Chris Altman Bell all that much. You know, yeah. They got really good performances from Michael Brown Stevens, who made a couple of catches in traffic and mm-hmm. pretty much looked the part. I mean, also a hyphenated name. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't joking. <laughs> and Tanner Morgan goes twenty three of twenty six. Like they, they still have some things working here. Yeah, you know, from a Minnesota perspective, the game really reminded me. Uh, if you want to go back to the conference opener in twenty nineteen. You know, the Gophers were 3-0. and You know, they played, you know, kind of a typical so-so non-conference schedule, nothing to be impressed about. And they're playing Purdue. And they came out, and they just precision-like with their RPO, just ran them off the field. I looked Tanner Morgan's stats up for that game. He was 21 for 22, almost just like this. And uh, that launched that 2019 team. You know, by November, they were hosting game day uh, and in playoff contention. So, you know, maybe it's sort of deja vu again. Uh, for the Gophers. And then for Michigan State, is this a 3-9 and nine team? I mean, I think maybe some of their fans would take that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, ser- well, Rutgers and Indiana in November could be wins, but at Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Illinois, then Rutgers and Indiana, and then at Penn State to end the year. I mean, this is, this is like, this is as much win as you can get on Saturday for them going into College Park, right? I mean, you are definitely looking at three and nine or four and eight for sure if they can't win in Maryland. And that's that secondary going up against pretty yes. good passing attack. Yeah. I mean, unless, that's going to be. Unless we broke uh, Tago Vailoa. I did it. I said it right this time. No, did you I? didn't. I didn't. Tongo Tongo Vailoa. Darn it. Tongo Vailoa. It's he's only been or his brother has been a major part of college football it's for like so eight straight years. I know. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Like, like I said it wrong with Tua for years yeah. and I've never been able to fix my head. Well, just stop trying. <sighs> Ta-ta. You need, you need to go with the Homer Simpson approach here. <laughs> so kind of bouncing back around to Minnesota, you know, they haven't really played anybody yet. Their only power five opponent was Colorado, but they still have not allowed a touchdown. Their first string defense is still not allowed a touchdown this year. 
and they've only allowed six third down conversions. This is great. Defensively, they're six for 42 on third downs, 14%. That's tops in the country. On offense, they're 41 for 52, 78%. That's also number one in the country. Right now, Minnesota is the top third down conversion converting offense and the top third down not converting defense. I guess I don't know how you say that. I'm tripping Preventing. Preventing. Thank there you. There you but, go. So we got eight games left. I, I'm going to be fascinated to see, you know, how those numbers, you know, because obviously there's going to be some regression. They're not going to be number one in both, but I could see them being in the top 20 in both, especially with this schedule. So and that, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge uh, avenue to success. Uh, what's Tucker's buyout? Is it, he's got like a fully guaranteed $9.5 million contract until when? Uh, well, it was 10 years, so this is year one of 10. So it's like $88 million or something? Yeah. Ooh. You know what, though? Matt can afford it. So, well, yeah. Good for really him. Disturbing. The thing that's really disturbing, if you're coming from a Michigan State perspective, is I'm going to do another 2019 reference, but during our podcasting season in 2019, we talked about how that roster was headed for serious trouble if something didn't change really fast. And we saw what happened in 2020. You know, that, that they were really bad. They gave up 35 points per game. Well, they've given up 30. They're giving up 35 points per game right now in their last eight power five games. Um, I kind of feel like they haven't gotten very far from there. You know, they papered it over with some transfers. You know, I, I don't really, every time you watch, you, you know, you're looking for like, okay, is there like a young sophomore that they can, I and mean, we haven't really They've seen been living anything. on voodoo forever, man. Like they voodoo and Jaden Reed. Yeah, like they they convert fourth and six into double coverage after fumbling their first for their fourth and two, but getting to replay it because they they actually snapped it bad. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with their recruiting class. So they've been recruiting fairly well because I think they went full bore into NIL in a way Michigan has not yet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they had a five star on the field yesterday. <laughs> well, so but there's. The NIL stuff that you're going to have, but other teams are going to have NIL stuff, and they're also not going to be four and eight. Mm-hmm. So they they could they could lose this sort of momentum they had on the recruiting trail, have to resort to more transfers, and then keep having this happen. So hopefully, they that do have a, yeah, they do have a couple freshman um, defensive backs that were pretty good recruits, Dylan Tatum and Jordan Mangum, and doesn't look like they're going to. It looks like rather they're going to burn their red shirts through special teams. <sighs> If they get on the field, Magnum would be playing at Michigan if he was any good. To be honest, he, he, well, Magnum that was, is right now. Magnum right now is backing up the D two transfer that's starting in place. Xavier Henderson, I, and when I, he goes on, when he comes off on the field, Magnum comes in. But you know, that's only for like first a play. Time, this is the first time Michigan was ever really seriously considering a guy from my my high school. This oh, he's be, from your high school. This is going to be the first. I should have texted you about this guy before I brought him up. <laughs> at the University of Michigan, or you know, we've had we've had walk-ons. We had lots of walk-ons, right? And their, their yeah. names are usually like Fisher or something. But there, we've not gotten a uh, we've not gotten a scholarship guy to Michigan. And Mangum was going to be like the first one that everyone was excited about. Like Rose is going to have one of these guys, mm-hmm. and Michigan was like, eh. We've got some other yeah, we have some other safeties we're looking at. So, so what you're telling so what you're telling me is uh Tucker better recruit a little bit more. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do have to move on from this yes. game, I think, eventually. Penn State thirty-three, Central Michigan fourteen, in a game that is pretty even yardage wise, four oh three to uh, three fifty seven. Central Michigan has four turnovers. It is 21 to 14 at the beginning of the third quarter. Central Michigan gets a stop. They punt, Penn State punts, and then their returner muffs it. 
quick touchdown drive for Penn State, and kind of that's all she wrote for for the chips. Um, pretty alarming for Penn State to play the Central Michigan team even. Yeah, um, and really Central didn't go away after that exchange. They had two different attempts at twenty eight fourteen to cut it to twenty eight twenty one, but they turned it over turned it over on downs at the Penn State five. And then uh, they had first and 10 at the eight at Penn State's 18. And then they had back-to-back penalties. They had first and 30. Next thing you know, it was an interception. So they had some chances to still make it a game in the, in the fourth quarter. One stat that I read from the Penn State 24-7 site was Cliff, Clifford was one for 11 on shots downfield. They didn't really describe what they meant by shots downfield, but isn't it usually 20 plus? Oh, wow. I don't remember him going deep that often. but Maybe they had a different like that because that is a lot of 20 plus yeah. passes yeah I, yeah that's what, they, that's what they that's what they said that was sort of like their you Maybe know that's 10 plus game. yeah i didn't get to watch this game because it was obviously on during ours but yeah. um like their cmu's problem earlier this year because i got a friend who's a chip <laughs> like yeah, yeah, i was about to i was about to ask how do you know about cmu's problems Cause, cause, yeah I, I talk to a chip all the time um but like yeah they're they're magnified michigan like just no pass rush whatsoever Mm-hmm. And like they, they don't even try. So I imagine against Clifford that probably lent them to some opportunities. Weird thing is that they like, Catron Allen took over as running back. Like Singleton was pretty stuffed up this time. Well, I mean they split carries about down the middle. He just had the, the better production here. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of compounding this from a Penn State perspective is that they had big chunk plays Central Michigan did that got called back for penalties. Now that's part of the reason that you get big chunk plays sometimes. But mm-hmm. the uh, there were opportunities for Central to put points on the board that would have made this a real nail-biter. Yeah. I mean, they actually dominated the second quarter. Penn State came out and got two touchdowns on the board, and you're thinking, oh, here we go, typical Big Ten uh, Mac blowout. But, you know, they pinned Penn State back into some bad field position. They were able to parlay that into a short field touchdown drive. They put another touchdown up. I mean, this game was actually competitive. And I put the score on Twitter when it was 14 all. And I had some Michigan fans kind of getting on my case because they're like, pay attention to Michigan. We're losing. We shouldn't make fun of somebody. I'm like, Hey man, I'm trying to fire up the chips. This is great. But I, I it, it, this, this looked like a significantly closer game than the score. I, I really am looking forward to maybe doing a big 10 in 60 minutes on this, because I do want to see a little bit more what uh, on what happened. Uh, plus, I'm trying to figure out who's going to win the MAC, right? I mean, these games, they, the, the casinos put those games on the board. I want to know who's, uh, you know, did Central really play well? I don't, you know, we'll find out. All right, moving on to Iowa 27, Rutgers 10. And before you start thinking about an Iowa offensive explosion, their defense outscored their offense. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much Again. par for the score. I mean, uh, par for the course here. And uh, Rutgers racks up 361 yards of offense to Iowa's 277. So this is Michigan's opponents next week. I can't see them scoring on Michigan unless something weird happens. Like they'll get a field goal here and there. But, like, what's your over-under for Iowa points against Michigan? <laughs> That's well, 13. Enough. 13. I mean, a lot of it depends on um... – I mean, I know the turnovers are random and stuff, but it seems like with Iowa, they're not. It's true. I mean, I, I look back at the Big Ten championship game last year. Hey, easy Michigan win, right? I think Michigan clinched the Big Ten championship in the second quarter when they had those three drives in a row with horrible field position, and they didn't turn it over. They were able to just you know punt their way out of that. 
you know, if the similar sequence like that happens in Kinnick Stadium, you know, they have to be, you know, they can't lose their heads and they just have to, you know, punt to win as opposed to what Rutgers did yesterday, giving up a pick six and a uh, fumble return when they were, you know, still in their own end. Yeah. He, yeah. If I'm, I mean, that pick six was a bomb downfield. It was a great over-the-shoulder catch by the Iowa defensive back, and then the the run back was equally impressive. Oh, it was, it was the best run that we've seen a Hawkeye do all year, and of course it was a defensive back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's something I've been tracking so far all year for Iowa. They have had 40 drives this year that have started in their own territory. 40 drives started in their own territory. Only 15 have entered the opposing team's territory – And only six of those drives have they scored points, four field goals and two touchdowns. So on their 40 drives this year that have started in their own territory, they are averaging 0.65 points per drive on those possessions. That kind of further illustrates just if you have bad field position against Iowa, maybe run three quarterback sneaks and punt the ball away, you know, and just force that team to just try to go forward because they really just can't. Yeah, if, if I'm and those numbers, by the way, are drastically improved by what they did yesterday against Rutgers and last week against Nevada. They will certainly be facing tougher, tougher defenses with the likes of Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, if if I'm Michigan, what I'm most worried about is a tornado coming and moving the game back. <laughs> To 8 o'clock. I don't even know if that's going to help. So Spencer Petras <laughs> has 17 attempts in this game. Do you want to guess how many of them went to wide receivers? Oh, gosh. Zero. Three. Three? Three. That's impressive. And there was one catch among those three targets for five yards. Everything wow. else went to a running back or a tight end. Wow. Everything else. So I, I just don't even know what to say about the Iowa offense at this point. I know yeah. that they, they had – Issues with off-season transfers at wide receiver. They've had injuries at wide receiver. Those guys are back, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this they is are, like when I was trying to defend back. Michigan State. Like, but, no, but, no, I'm not trying. Apart. I'm not trying to defend Iowa. I'm just like, like I, I think in this game they get up right because they get those defensive touchdowns, and then they're just like, all right, we're gonna kill this game. Yeah. And what happens if they're down two touchdowns? They lose. Oh, the yeah. Big Ten Championship last year it describes exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I mean, except they, they are so much worse this year. Yeah. Because yeah. they lost a NFL center. They didn't replace him with anybody. They lost a really good running back. They didn't replace him with anybody. And Chuck Sizzle plays for the Purdue Boilermakers. He does. Um, yeah, they were only one of nine yesterday on third down, Iowa. That's not, not good. And. I was really bummed all game for Rutgers because we're sitting here 10 minutes to go in the game. It is 24 to 10 and they have given up two defensive scores. Uh-huh. In the meantime, they had squandered two second half drives. They had an interception in Iowa territory and they also turned it over on downs in the low red zone. Uh, you know, this game was only a couple plays going in a different direction, being like a 10, 10 game in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we, we all the Iowa memes just slipping on out, you know, it, it would have been fun, but that, oh, uh, Brian McKenzie that, is doing such a great job with it. <laughs> well, that's what we do. The other thing I want to mention, though, is it's. It, and I do agree with this, sent, this sentiment generally that they're wasting a championship defense and special teams. But I don't know if this defense is as good as last year's. Last year, they only had three teams go over 40% in the available yard category. 
Uh, Iowa State was at 61%, and Rutgers gained 53% of their available yards yesterday. They were moving the ball the whole second half. They just could not cash in on some of their uh, opportunities. They had 218 total yards over four drives in the second half, and they can only get seven points out of that. But that's because Rutgers just doesn't have any it's the same guys, though. I mean, Iowa's defense is the same players as last year. So, it's, I, I mean, it's the same team. It's literally the same team. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it is, is what it is for the Hawkeyes, right? Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like this to, with varying degrees of competence until Kirk Ferentz is in the ground. Hopefully of natural causes. I mean, this is how Hayden Fry ended, too. Like, they just got miserable, and then they, like, he yeah. passed it along to one of his assistants, and his assistants actually turned out to be, you know, a 20-man, All right. man. On to the embarrassing non-conference portion of our schedule. We'll start with Miami of Ohio, 17, Northwestern, 14. Well, two things. One, three things, rather. One, Miami only had 57 passing yards, and they still beat a Big Ten team. <laughs> God. Yes. Two, Northwestern has now lost three games in a row as a touchdown plus favorite in all three of them. My uh, Cracker Jack research department, which is just me, has been unable to figure out if any other team has done this before. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to keep at it. And then lastly, what this result does, it's great. It allows a 1-11 Northwestern team whose only win is Nebraska – and a 1-11 Nebraska team with no Power 5 wins. That's on the table, guys, if you're looking for a <laughs> bottom dweller, what you know, chase for history in the Big Ten West. 1-11 Northwestern, 1-11 Nebraska, that's what we're looking for. And, of course, the, that win was in week zero against Nebraska. That, that would be a great Big Ten West statement. <laughs> My fear is that Nebraska is actually, like, contagious. Because they took us last week off, and everyone who plays who played yes, Nebraska. This is, this is Brian's theory, <laughs> Mackenzie's theory. Yeah, this is the doom of the world. Uh, you said that before Oklahoma too. I, I have to uh, to broach this one now. I'm sorry, Jamie. Cincinnati 45, Indiana 24. Yeah, not good. Um, so Cincinnati outgained Indiana 394 to 348. And they ran 34 fewer plays than the Hoosiers. <laughs> Indiana ran 104 plays yesterday. Jesus. Yes. That's in a what regulation I game. game. Oh, what you said? In a regulation game. There were, there were 174 plays in this regulation. Was this a chaos team tempo? Um, well, part, a little bit. You know, Cincinnati hit a 75-yard touchdown, a 34-yard touchdown, and a 45-yarder to get him at first and goal. That was all in the first half. So that, those are some quickies as far as possessions, um, you know, but uh, Indiana had the ball almost the whole second half. It was 38-14 at halftime, and um, Cincinnati just, I don't know if they were putting their offense away or if Indiana made some adjustments, but Cincinnati had five three-and-outs on their first seven drives in the second half, so Indiana had the ball virtually the whole third and fourth quarter. And they had some chances to maybe make a game of it, but they had a horrible, horrible sequence at the end of the first half where they gave up in succession, plays of 26, 20, and 32 yards to eventually lead to a score. And then with 13 seconds to go, a strip sack returned for a touchdown. So 24-10 became 38-10. So Indiana's second-half dominance really didn't do much as far as impacting the final score. I am not but looking forward to it. did to impact the final play log. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just I'm stunned by this, but like Connor Basilek threw 66 times. 
Yes. I, I, I have never charted 66 passes <laughs> in a single game. I don't know if I've charted 40 in a single game. At least this passes. Are you, I'm, are you interested in charting this game? I'm going to have oh. to chart. So I'm going to have to chart the defense. You're going to be like J.J. McCarthy threw four touchdowns on four plays. The end of the end of the story. And I'm going to be like, okay, play 85. Yeah, Denard versus Indiana <laughs> re- recap. Uh-huh. All right, moving on to Purdue 28. Florida Atlantic 26 in a game where Florida Atlantic outgains Purdue by almost 100 yards. Not exactly a, a stellar stellar one for the Boilers, but they do manage to uh, eke out the win. One caveat, starting quarterback Aiden O'Connell did not play for Purdue. Yeah, their 166 passing yards from their backup was their lowest passing game since the middle of the 2019 season, so it had been a while. They actually had more rushing yards than passing yards. The Boilermakers did yesterday, so that was that was odd. But really, Florida Atlantic should have won this game. Their post-game win expectancy was 58%. The Boilers could not contain Nikosi Perry. Do you remember that name? <laughs> he had 323 total yards on 43 dropbacks, almost 100 yards rushing. And, you know, Florida Atlantic has to be kicking themselves. They, they drove – it was uh, 14-14. They drove all the way into the red zone. And they threw an interception, which was returned back to the other red zone. So Purdue had an easy score to make it 21-14. But then the Owls drove right back, thought they'd tie it up, but they missed the two-point conversion. But then they got the ball back, and they were at midfield with 46 seconds to go, and they fumbled the ball away. So they had some chances to to win this And they game. had it open for – they could have just had a first down. And, like, they did that instead. And yeah, then exactly. – and, like, you know, Purdue has been at – had such a hard time putting teams away all season. And yeah. And it's like, okay, finally, finally it's going to happen as long as they don't, like, fumble the, the kneel down. And what do they do? They fumbled their kneel down. Yeah. <laughs> like, fortunately, they caught it. They got it back. And it was like, man, Purdue, you just you were just playing with so much fire in this game. I'm telling you, you can't turn your eyes away from, from a Purdue game. Weird stuff <laughs> happens in them all, all the time. And, I mean, if, if, if a Boiler fan is bummed out about this result, you know, because they didn't look that great, it's, well, you had your backup quarterback in, but at least you won it. Because I go back to 2018. They blew a game against Eastern Michigan in the rain, last second field goal. The 2019 opener, Thursday night, blew a game against Nevada. You know, they blew a 16-point lead and lost by three. Hey, this one at least is in the wind column, guys. Yeah. You know? I follow the, the old Hammer and Rails guys, and they are just screaming about Ron English who's their defensive coordinator, by the way, for Michigan fans who didn't, didn't realize that he's still bumming around. Um, and he was just he's just running cover one every single play. And that's like, yeah, you know, hey, guy, hey, guy, change it up, you know. All right. They were, uh, they were doing like code defensive coordinators last year, and he was one of them. But I think he's like now more in control even of the defense than he was last year. It's mm-hmm. It's always been an odd setup over there. Illinois 31, Chattanooga 0. Uh, we'll mention that Chattanooga was 3-0 and in FCS, and Illinois put up 500 yards versus 148 for Chattanooga. So usually we just skip over these without any mention. I think that's maybe worth uh, a mention that Illinois did what a good team would do to a Chattanooga. They might be okay. And then finally uh, – Well, you know what? About Illinois, remember week zero, they beat Wyoming like 38-6. to six. Who cares? Wyoming sucks. But Wyoming has since defeated Air Force – and played BYU into the fourth quarter. So even going back to week zero, we have to look at that and be like, mm, you know, maybe Illinois got something, and the Big Ten West is wide open. 
Finally, Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21 in a game that was never competitive. Ohio State outgains Wisconsin by 240 yards. Grab Mertz throws for 94 yards. Oh, God. Good job for that. Their running back has a completion for 10 yards, so... <laughs> maybe, maybe he should be the quarterback. Maybe that's what Wisconsin needs is the running backs need to start being their passers because their running and, backs are always uh, awesome. CJ Stroud just hits a bunch of bombs and then there you go. You know, how, how disappointing. You know, Ohio State was down their two starting cornerbacks. They were out injured. They were playing a freshman and a redshirt freshman. And like, not only can Graham Mertz not take advantage of it, but it doesn't even look like Wisconsin's trying to take advantage of it. Well, there was that quote in the preseason from, I think, one of the Madison State Journal reporters that mm-hmm. was like, yep, well, Mertz is just the same guy, which you never hear in the preseason. <laughs> it's right. always like, this guy took ballet and it could completely transformed his whole way right. of being. Except for the one time one guy was playing golf. And yeah, well, and, and this offseason, well, that was a pretty bad sign for, yeah. for that season. And I think, yeah, Graham Mertz is just Graham Mertz. As a preseason take, I was like, ooh, yeah. not good. Uh-huh. I definitely shouldn't have picked them to win the division on our preseason podcast, but I went third. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got the other guys were picking like Nebraska in that one too, so <laughs> you might end up looking better than that. Yeah. But but I think we finally yeah. figured out the the way not to have Wisconsin Ohio State in the Big Ten championship is to actually have Wisconsin play Ohio State because this was every single Big Ten championship game yeah. that they ever played against each other. Like Wisconsin scores fifty five, Wisconsin or Wisconsin. Gives up 55, scores 21, and it's never close. And, like, finally, finally we're not making this, like, the marquee game of the season in the Big Ten. We're calling it what it is. Well, we should point out that JSN is still out. So Mm -hmm. if he comes back, then that offense gets another bump, which they might not need. But uh, four games into the season, haven't seen him at all except sort of sporadically. Seems like it might be a hamstring, might be one of those things that lingers. Mm -hmm. 42-27. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they also gave Wisconsin a taste of their own medicine last night. Two 100-yard rushers for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and that's one thing that's... Wisconsin. Look, look, this this used to be you, This, but it's not. <laughs> well, so you have Trey Owen Henderson who brings a certain aspect to the run game. Ridiculous, ridiculous feats. Right, and then, and then you have Mayan Williams who's just a hoss. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really used him very much over mm-hmm. the past year and a half, but I think he's kind of forcing his way into a more prominent role because down the stretch against Notre Dame, they really relied on him and he actually puts up, uh, you know, a hundred yards on not that many carries in this game. So they, they might be developing into a legitimate two headed backfield and that's un- good. It's bad. That's, yeah. And that's, that's a terrible game. 42, 27. All right, Jamie, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Yep. Listening to the MGO Podcast, I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nashnack. And if I'm Iowa, I'm worried that Michigan special teams juju is even stronger than yours.
better than